Look at the crowd. They all turned out for the historic event. <laughs> Welcome Not. to the first Medfield Select Board meeting. <laughs> I would like to point out for historical purposes that we are the three last selectmen of the town of Medfield and the first three selects of the town of Medfield. <laughs> And I suspect when we get to volume 15 of Richard DeSorger's history <laughs> of Medfield, we We're will in. be prominently displayed in one of the chapters as, as a, uh, as a key step in the evolution of Medfield as a town. Well, this meeting will be held in a hybrid format. The select board will attend in person and members of the public may attend in person and many of them have on this historic occasion. In addition, members of the public who wish to participate via Zoom may do so by joining by one of the following options. The best thing to do is to go to the town website, drop down the agendas for the Board of Selectmen, pick the, uh, the today's April 4th agenda, and click on the Zoom link that's there. Uh, it's already listed on select board on the agenda. When you go down, you have to go all the way to the bottom. You have to go all the way to the bottom. Well, some progress is not 100% progress. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, I want to make sure everyone is aware that this meeting is being video recorded. Uh, we have Medfield TV that's, I think, streaming, I hope streaming the, the uh, meeting. Uh, for any of you here in the room who are talking, we would ask that at least the main speaker, anyone who's going to talk for a while, please use the podium. The microphone on the podium works better for the people watching uh, online. Uh, the audio pickup is just better. In the event that uh, you either don't have a lot to say and you just want to make a quick comment from your seat, please track down the microphone that I trust is not next to Bill Massara, but right over by that one right there. Uh, now it's next to Bill. Bill is the <laughs> official keeper of the town microphone. Uh, when you speak into it, your voice will not be amplified. It's not its purpose. What it does is it picks up the audio feed for purposes of Medfield TV. So it seems like it's not doing anything, but it really is. Uh, so I think that's, uh, that gets us for that. Uh, to start with, what I'd like to do is just take a moment to express our appreciation of service members across the world who are uh, working to protect our country. Thank you. Uh, the first order of business, now you'll understand why I'm being quite as enthusiastic and energetic as I am. The first order of business that we have is the reorganization of the select board. First, I would like to express my thanks to the people who came out and voted to bring me in yet once again. I, I viewed the main challenge was to prove to the town in my nomination papers I still had 50 friends left in here in town and uh, succeeded at that, but I was delighted to see that I still had at least several hundred friends in town that were willing, given there was no alternative choice, that they were willing to vote for me in the election, and I do appreciate the opportunity to serve the town for another three years as a selectman. So thank you very much as a select. Uh, thank, you, thank you very much. Uh, with that, I would like to move uh, that, uh, make a motion that selectman select Peterson here uh, be uh, appointed or become the new chair of our board. We have a second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. You got it, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so we shuffle here. We shuffle. And I'll grab my thing. As soon as you grab your thing. So you over there. there we go. Move that over. You want to grab that? This thing, is please? This is the wheels of government truly in motion. 
And I think I think these are mine. That's mine. Yeah. It's there. All right, shuffle. Oh, see, that goes there. Goes there. May this be the most challenging thing we have. It's beyond transparent. Just to make sure there's no mistake. <laughs> Thank you. seen before the meeting that I had my uh, my zoom camera all set for having the flag behind me so now I have to learn a new zoom camera position life is complicated um, so thank you everybody for coming um, and I would start by making a motion that uh, Eileen Murphy be the clerk of the select board second all those in favor aye, aye. congratulations thank you that means um, I survived my first year. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. We're starting with uh, an appointment with David uh, Stiermish. Am I saying that right, David? Strymish. I beg your pardon. Um, and you're uh, of Seventh Wave Brewing. You're requesting approval of a change of manager from Owen James Hawkins. Do you want to use the uh, podium and tell us what's going on and how it's going to work? Well. Simply, Owen is no longer with the company, and uh, you know, so I, I am 100% in charge. So, um, so part of, part of that is you have to. One of the legal requirements is you have to change the manager on the alcohol license. So, are you becoming the new uh, manager then? Correct. Okay. Anything else before? No, that's it. Any questions, Gus? No questions. No. Eileen? No, sounds good. Okay. Good to vote on it. Good to vote it. Do we have a motion? Motion that uh, David Sturmish of Seventh Way Brewing to request approval of a change of manager from Owen James Hawkins. Second. Oh, uh, so you approve this person as the new manager. Okay. Approve. Okay, so I'll motion to approve. Okay, motion to approve David Steinish, if I said that right, uh, of Seventh Wave Brewing to request approval of a change of manager from Owen James Hawkins. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 See, being a clerk is a high pressure. You are done. Thank you for coming. <laughs> how, are Thank things, you. how are things going at Seventh Wave? We like having you in town. Yeah. So Thank you. Thank you. you seem to be a, 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 a gathering spot now for all kinds of different organizations. So that's great. Excellent. Yeah. How's your solar on your roof working out? Oh my God, that's good. <laughs> but is that is that the largest solar installation in town? I sure it is. I, I mean, do I really know? I just know about my own. But uh, I, okay. I, I mean, it's it's two two hundred fifty thousand, um, you know, kilowatts. Kilowatts. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and, you. And if you want to know anything about it, just come talk to me. Nice to see you, David. Thanks for coming.
Our next uh, appointment is with Georgia Kalevis, town treasurer, to request that the select board accepts chapter 269 of the acts of 2022, which we all know provides that the Norfolk County Retirement Boards vote on November 30, 2022, and agree that eligible Norfolk County retirement system retirees shall receive an additional 2% cost of living adjustment for a total of 5% on the first 18,000 of FY23 for all eligible retirees effective retroactive to July 1. Wow, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, I am here to ask the newly organized select board to vote on a 2% COLA for all Norfolk County retirees. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, back in November of 2022, Governor Baker had signed Chapter 269 of the Acts of 2022 into law, which provided local retirement systems um, a local option to increase the COLA from 3% to 5% for all eligible employee, uh, retirees. This additional COLA has already been granted to state employees and to teachers in the uh, Massachusetts retirement system. This process includes approval by the Norfolk County uh, Retirement Board and the county commissioners. However, it also requires approval by the participating towns within the retirement system. The retirement board needs to obtain a two thirds vote of all the towns in the county in order to grant the additional 2% COLA. This is a one-time additional 2% that the retirees um, will receive. It is only on the first $18,000 of their income, and it is eligible to all retirees who have been retired as of July 1st for 2022 for a 12-month period. In simpler terms, it really amounts to $30 a month um, to each retiree. And this is why I am here this evening. But before you um, vote, I'm sure you're probably thinking, what is this going to cost Medfield? Um, the long-term financial impact of this one-time 2% COLA will certainly be paid out of our pocket at some point. It's estimated that this 2% will cost Medfield about $66,000. The cost, however, will not be realized until fiscal year 26 in our fiscal year 26 county appropriation. Uh, it is not included in fiscal year 24 or 25 because the funding schedule was not updated at that point in time. Keep in mind that that is the cost today, the 66,000. What the cost will be in 26 may be a little bit more. So I am here today, and that also depends upon market um, market returns, retirements, member deductions, and member additions. So I'm here this evening um, to ask for your support. Um, in speaking with the director at Norfolk County today, they are one vote away for oh the two-thirds, um, and they're very um, anxious um, to hear from us in the morning. Gus, question? Oh, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, so just to be clear, We've already done this in Franklin. First of all, as a local option statute, so you, and it's all in the wording here, you're first going to, or part of it, first accept that statute and then go on from there and approve the Norfolk County component of it. So if you just track what the wording that's there in the motion, you'll be okay. Okay. So it's two votes, Mark, or it's it, it vote can on all two be things. one, it's a compound vote. 
do you have the vote? So, yes, I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, motion. Any questions for us, guys? Nope. Yeah. Eileen? I'm good. No, I'm good. I trust her. Yep, me too. Okay, ready for a motion. All right. So, Georgia Kulivas, town treasurer, to request that the select board hereby accept Chapter 269 of the Acts of 2022 as provided in the Norfolk County Retirement Board's vote on November 30th, 2022. That's the first vote, correct, Mark? Yeah, just yeah, keep, yeah okay. just And then agree that eligible Norfolk County Retirement System retirees shall receive an additional 2% cost of living adjustment for a total of 5% on the first 18000 for FY23 for all eligible retirees effective retroactive to July 1st, 2022. Second. Are we good, Mark? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh. All in okay. favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Congratulations. And Thank you. I think that Richard's book will show that you were the first <laughs> citizen to address this board as Unofficial. the select board. I wasn't here for a bond issue. <laughs> <laughs> thank so you thank so you much. for making history. Uh, next, we have uh, Dr. Jeffrey Marsden, school superintendent, to request the select board to authorize him to submit the FY 2023 statement of interest to the Massachusetts School Building Authority. I don't think Jeff's coming. I think this is oh. the third time you've submitted this. So yeah, I think we're good with this one, right? Okay. We should surprise him then by <laughs> making random changes. To yeah, he doesn't show up. <laughs> what the heck? So should I read the motion? Um, sure, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so result, and this is, I have to do verbatim correct mark for the statement of interest. So it's. Whatever you gave him. So resolved, having convened in an open meeting on April 4th, 2023, prior to the SOI submission closing date, the select board of the town of Medfield in accordance with its charter bylaws and ordinance has voted to authorize the superintendent to submit to the Massachusetts School Building Authority the statement of interest form dated April 5th, 2023 for the Dale Street School located at 45 Adams Street, Medfield, Mass, 02052, which describes and explains the following deficiencies and the priority categories for which an application may be submitted to the Massachusetts School Building Authority in the future. Replacement, renovation, or modernization of school facility systems such as roofs, windows, boilers, heating, and ventilation systems to increase energy conservation and decrease energy-related costs in a school facility. Replacement of or addition to obsolete buildings in order to provide a full range of programs consistent with state and approved local requirements and hereby further specifically acknowledges that by submitting this statement of interest form, the Massachusetts School Building Authority in no way guarantees the acceptance or the approval of an application, the awarding of a grant or any other funding commitment from the Massachusetts School Building Authority or commits the town of Medfield to filing an application for funding with the Medfield School Building Authority. Do we have a second? Second. Friendly amendment. Yes. I think you said at the beginning has voted and I would suggest you say hereby votes because no, I didn't say have a. Are we? We. I said, are we going to vote? Because it's a two vote. So I, that's why I paused. It's like, have we? Is, that's what we're voting on. Is that's why I paused. It's one vote, two vote. No, no. Okay. What you, What you read is like a done having. It's what goes to the state mm -hmm. that indicates you have taken the vote. Okay. So to make it a vote, I'm saying hereby votes instead of has voted as okay. part of the motion. That's all. Okay. With that uh, uh, amendment, uh, uh, we have a motion 
And a second? Second. Yep. Before we vote, do we have any questions? Any nope. comments? Nope, I understand the process. Any issues from the uh, gathered public? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Uh, next, we have uh, Maurice Golay, Director of Public Works, to speak about and potentially request a vote for the following cemetery expansion project, update on truck exclusion request for Curve Street, citizen request for a weight limit on Phillips, and request an exclusion from the weight limit on Bridgedale Streets for Medfield History Weekends trolleys. Welcome, Mo. Thank you for coming. Good evening, everyone. Two nights um, in a row. <laughs> I know it. Um, so I just want to start off with the uh, cemetery expansion project. Uh, a little background on here. Uh, in recent years, we've been inundated with uh, selling a tremendous amount of lots at the Vine Lake Cemetery. Uh, we're t trying to take a proactive approach to um, have an expansion so that um, we can work on that and get it um, surveyed and laid out. We do have a conceptual design. We have a small presentation tonight uh, from our consultant uh, just to give you an idea of what we're, what we're looking for. We're also, uh, we've met with the cemetery commissioners. They uh, have all been very supportive. And um, uh, it's going to add about 1,193 more lots. That's uh, total to what we would add to what we have left. So and we're looking to um, add that to um, have it funded by the perpetual care just for the design for this year at town meeting. And then uh, looking for approval for construction in the following town meeting. So um, so if I can uh, have uh, Nathan Socia from Beta Group, our consultant, just do a small presentation and then we'll uh, answer any questions that you All have. All right, thank you, sir. Sure. Welcome, thank you for coming, sir. Thank you so much. Members of the select board and then, is it Chair Pete or Chairman Pete? Chair. Chair. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me tonight, members of the public. Um, uh, my name is Nathan Sosha. I work with Beta Group Engineers. Um, we're working with Mo. Uh, could you do the next slide? Uh, oh, thank you. Um, on the uh, Medfield uh, Vine Lake Cemetery expansion, as he mentioned, uh, we're looking to expand uh, 1,193 um, plots. And um, I'm going to do a quick presentation. I'll try and be as quick as possible, but uh, introduction an overview of the project, um, the presentation, and then really turn it over to you to hear your feedback. Uh, next slide. Um, so Maurice mentioned um, him, uh, Bob, Steve, and John Miner have been really guiding us in the process. My name is Nate Sosha. Uh, Randy Collins is not here there. And then also members of the select, uh, sorry, of the uh, Cemetery Commission gave us guidance as well, John, Bob, and Tom. Uh, next slide, please. Um, real briefly about Beta Group, we're a multidisciplinary engineering firm, 160 people, founded 1982, um, local company. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, multidisciplinary firm, so you know, when we tackle this project, we hope to you know, tackle multiple things, including structural engineering, civil site engineering, uh, as well as stormwater management and landscape architecture. Next slide, please. Um, and then the project overview, the parcel we're looking to, sorry, the expansion that we're looking to do is at the end of the cemetery near Bridge Street. Uh, next slide, please. And um, real briefly on the project schedule, um, you know, we started looking at the parcel 
um, right around in February, uh, February, March, we kind of really dug into the conceptual design on it and some site investigation. And then uh, yesterday we met with the um, cemetery commission and here we are in front of you. What we're hoping is that we'll be here is that we want to move forward. And the first part of the project would be really looking to do a construction design package. So bid ready documents and with the goal of getting that out to bid to get a real understanding of the cost of the project. Next slide, please. Um, the uh, expansion area would be, as mentioned, towards Bridge Street and Dale Street, uh, the uh, vacant parcel of land right there. Next slide, please. There's uh, four existing condition photos looking from the uh, east-west. Uh, next slide, please. Um, from the north looking south. Next slide, please. From the uh, west looking back east from the existing dirt uh, road. Uh, next slide, please. And from the um, southern portion, looking up that kind of steep slope, um, looking north. Uh, next slide, please. So in working with um, the DPW, what we've heard so far and what we want to accomplish is um, provide a new survey and a marker layout for the expansion. Uh, the last time this area was surveyed was back in 1990, so we want to update that, make sure we have the latest and greatest information. Um, to prepare the site for um, construction, including erosion control, possibly pulling a permit, um, designing the plot arrangement for the best layout and um, slope and grading of the site, including um, you know, where those headstone markers are going to go, and then the grading, as you saw from those photos. There was um, some steep slopes, and so we're looking at different locations for retaining wall and how to lay that road into there to best provide um, level access through this expansion. And then, um, you know, new water lines, road design, and then the drainage. We'd be looking at um, tying in the drainage to the street, possibly going out down Bridge Street 150 feet, as well as tying into the intersection of Dale Street as well. Next slide, please. Um, so here's the um, Norfolk engineers provided the um, original concept back in the 1990s. And you can see from the original concept, there were a lot of walls there. So it was cost-saving strategies. What we're going to try and do is reduce those walls while still making it as flat as possible. So um, looking to relocate and adjust locations of walls A and C, if you can make it out on that plan, as well as possibly remove wall D, and then um, pull back, uh, sorry, uh, pull back uh, wall C a little bit as it kind of wraps around um, uh, Dale Ave. Uh, next slide, please. And so here's the proposed design. Um, as mentioned, we're looking at uh, 1,193 plots. Um, uh, and um, uh, retaining walls, uh, redesigned roadway, uh, paved road, um, new access from Bridge Street. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, giving you a quick idea of what that would look like, giving it a little bit of a sense of place um, as a new entry, having some entry piers that tie into the existing historical um, other side of the wall and then having that uh, low retaining wall along the edge. Uh, next slide, please. And then so kind of a view looking up um, okay. the hillside with those retaining walls kind of tucked in the side, but keeping them small and very um, low profile with um, flowering trees and things like that along the perimeter. Uh, next slide, please. So that's um, really what we're looking to do. And I think Mo can probably uh, talk a little bit more about the uh, next steps and kind of what we're looking for. So um, thanks. Thank you, Nathan. Um, so we're going to be going to town meetings on one of the uh, articles for the warrant. 
and uh, we're like I said, we're looking for um, money for design for the project, having Beta Group design this for us, and then going out to bid with uh, the bid documents to see how much it's actually going to cost us for the following year to have a, uh, a definite um, price tag for it. Questions or comments, Gus? Uh, no, I think uh, I was, my only question was whether the road was going to be the one that's already there, but it's not, so that answered right. my question. Eileen? Uh, no, I think it looks good. I actually like the way you did, the, I, I was thinking it was going to be one continuous wall, but the way you kind of build them into the grade um, looks real nice. Thank you. Mark? Yeah, you mentioned uh, in passing taking the stormwater off-site. You need to be aware of the town's zoning and uh, stormwater management bylaws that require stormwater to stay on-site and be recharged. Thank you. Okay. So my my questions always go to the idea that we sell perpetual care because I every once in a while think that that sounds like a long time. Um, and so my questions revolve around that really. Um, so 1,193 more lots, that's good. Um, how long are we going to have lots available in our cemetery? And do we have any other plans after those are gone? So good, that's a good question. So right now um, we have about um, close to 200 lots remaining. 1,193, we figured out if we continue at the pace we are, which we don't think we are. We have a, a, at least 20 years before any decisions have to be made. That's at the current rate of selling. If the, the, the trend is for it to, to, to slow down now, and so we figured we'd have more than 20 years. But at this point, we, you know, we don't know exactly how many years, but uh, at least we have that. At that point, a decision would have to be made through the town to see what, um, you know, to either find another appropriate piece of land to, um, if possible, to create an additional part of a cemetery, maybe finally Cemetery 2, or just um, um, have that Vineleaf Cemetery available. That's it. Um, but it's going to be 20, 25 years down the road before, before a decision would have to be made. So I guess that'll be a, a subsequent select board that'll have to deal with that. But right. we should maybe start planning for that sure. now somehow right. and start. Are there other hey, ways? Here for a long time, <laughs> you still might do it. I, yes. So I'm concerned about my service in 25 years, not having planned ahead. So in uh, enough time, you know, so. what, what, what spurred this in the last few years with COVID and, you know, a, a lot of people were buying, um, you know, anticipation buying lots um, unfortunately we've had a, a lot of services which is you know not a not a good thing but uh, it kind of made us realize that we wanted to make sure that we were proactive in in expanding the cemetery while we can and uh, and and get that in place so that then we can make decisions without being rushed and saying well we have to get this in right so mark so I was working with Ken Feeney when he was still here on on columbarium yep and I know that so that's an installation that takes cremated remains. So we we put some sort of an installation in. Is there ability to expand that? As yes. Well? So there's a there's a columbarium now. It's about um, I believe 50% um, available, and there are a lot of locations within the cemetery to put all the columbariums where we could not put lots 
uh, plots in because of the whether there's ledge in the ground, but you can put on top. So we do have uh, room for expansion for columbariums, which for cremations. So we do have uh, ample room for that as well. And we were thinking in this location, um, part of these retaining walls, we could put on top of the retaining walls uh, other columbariums um, in the future as well. So like a retaining walls yeah. might have a four foot wide path in front of them and have a nice stone veneer edge and then uh, sitting just above the uh, retaining wall, which might be two or three feet high, you'd have a couple units of columbarium above that. So it's kind of built into the, um, the landscape and you know, hidden, I wouldn't say hidden, but, but you know, not just kind of a giant thing standing out. Mm -hmm. Good. Could, could you actually build uh, in, in small enclosures in your retaining walls? Absolutely, but um, what the Cemetery Commission and the um, DPW has understood is that the lower units are less desirable. So we, we look at that, though, absolutely. Oh, okay. So I had two questions from your presentation. One, you, you talked about quads. Is that what you to send a cell for plots at a time? So, yeah, so the, the four lots are sold at a time because um, people have a uh, misunderstanding of if for a headstone, it's people have to buy a four lot plot uh, to put a headstone because if you had single lots and put a headstone, you're encroaching on other other plots. So uh, we sell them by four. We sell them individually. We'll have individual uh, lots on the, around the edges where there's um, where you can't fit four four lots, but um, you can buy singles. But then there's you know you would need to have a flat marker you wouldn't be able to put a headstone on a single lot. Oh, okay. And so then my last question was, I noticed on your on your uh, rendering, when you pull in off of Bridge Street, the area to the right had nothing. It was just grass. I mean, that, I just wondered if that was... Um, in, the, in the design, I believe it's the... Um, that's just a rendering to show what it could look like, so it's not exactly what yeah, the design would look like. Yeah, you haven't maximized the, the layout. Yeah, maybe. so yeah. on one of those slides, it's very difficult to see, but the, all the plots are... On that, maximized. on that slide, maximized. Yeah. That okay, area. good, good. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. Um, Mo, next. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll go into the... Uh, the next one, the update on the truck exclusion request for Curfew. I just want to kind of uh, go through kind of the process of what what needs to take place for truck these truck exclusions um, we had uh, actually we had beta group as well for on a different uh, a different uh, part of beta group to give us a proposal for um, a truck exclusion study and the truck exclusion study would take into consideration a lot of different aspects that the state looks for after the study is done it would be submitted to mass DOT and they would um, give their recommendation or approval for a truck exclusion, which would then, if MassDOT did approve it, it would limit anything greater than two and a half tons off, off these roadways. Um, but there is different criteria that, that they follow. So they, they, have to, we have to, um, they have to show an alternate route, and it has to be either wholly um, encompassed within the town layout, or these, there's three criteria. One, either that or it, it would be in an adjacent community but would be a state road or it could be in an adjacent community with that community giving their written approval for the truck exclusion to enter their property hmm. so those are the three ways that it can happen 
And, and we're not talking about using adjacent communities in this instance? Not in, uh, for the Curve Street, no. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so the next step would be to, um, to hire a consultant to do the study and then submit all the information to MassDOT and have meetings with them to uh, get final determination. Questions, Gus? The, I assume the alternative is South Street? Uh, yes. That, I mean, they'll have to figure out the exact route because you have to have certain widths of the roadways to allow the truck traffic. It wouldn't be put on to smaller uh, roads that couldn't handle the road, uh, okay. the truck. I get, what I guess what I was getting at is I can't think of any other alternative no, other I mean, than I would Street, think so. if it was, if Curve Street would, you mm -hmm. go South Street or you can go around Main Street to South Street to get right. to that other side. Okay. okay. That's all I have. So just to be clear, what what would be limiting is trucks entering one end of curve and exiting the other. So they basically would not be going over that thin bridge or the narrow bridge. Right. Either either in either direction. Okay. It's not that we would stop trucks like coming if you're coming off of coming up South Street heading to the center of town, mm -hmm. and you hit Curve Street on your left. If a truck entered there and then took a right on Pleasant pretty normal roads it's really going just beyond that where you're going over the very narrow bridge and coming into a, a, uh, a turn so would they potentially allow a truck to get right to the corner where the, where the baseball field is and take a right on Pleasant but not allow them to go any further we would have to see what the study kind of revealed but that that's what the kind of the idea is that they wouldn't be able to utilize that bridge in either direction but they'd be able to access either side of it um, not come up tw from 27, but be able to use Pleasant Street if they had a delivery okay. somewhere before that bridge. I believe they would be uh, that would be the route. Okay. No, I live close to there, so I, it does make sense. I mean, because that that bridge is so narrow. If you have somebody slightly distracted, and you've got a big delivery truck coming over, it's not a pretty ending. Right. So. so the prohibitions on through trucking. Say that again. I'm sorry. It's on through trucking as opposed to a specific destination. Mm-hmm. So now I do have a question. Okay. So the prohibition is on the trucks using the bridge, but will the markings basically a prohibition on the trucks using the road, except the trucks making deliveries know they can ignore the sign? Or do the signs not show up until a truck has gone and hit the bridge and suddenly decide? We would have, we would have to discuss it with the consultant okay. to see how that would do it. So I, mean, I believe that this, the signs would be at the entrance, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't enter that. Okay. Um, but the idea is, like I said, is, is through trucking, wouldn't be able to okay. access that bridge. Okay. okay. I'm sorry? Can you the appropriation? Sure, you want to. <laughs> um, we, can, um, we can utilize Chapter 90 funds to, to pay for the, um, the study. It's a $9,950 uh, study to do that. So my question is whether or not you've had any experience with this in the past, and I, I really have not had to uh, do any um, any of this personally. Yeah. Do you have any ideas of how it's going to come out? What the study's likely well, to I say? Think, I think if it's if it's a reasonable. likely to say back to the town. Yeah. I mean, I think that once the study's done, I think if it's a reasonable route to uh, an alternate route to have the trucks be able to utilize without too much um, interference, I think you know the state as long as the town would be amenable to it, they would, you know, could recommend that 
to happen yeah, so with DOT following is, those three criteria. So DOT is likely to recommend it and agree to our... If the study doesn't show anything mm -hmm. that's uh, a deterrent. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Mark. So, so that's kind of like the poster child for the... For it's, it's a shortcut being used as a shortcut really to avoid other available routes and it's it's like the classic worst case scenario because other than that DT uh, DOT is difficult to convince to grant these restrictions and exclusions well if I can I mean yeah, I think the, the 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 biggest concern here though is the bridge itself it is so, if, if do you know what we're talking about oh, yeah. a narrowness I mean that's narrow with a little bit of a blindness to it so uh, you know I'll say candidly I mean t t spending less than ten thousand dollars to potentially save a life is a no-brainer for me I mean and, and I can't I, it, it would be one thing if it was just a street people were trying to avoid trucks to go down but knowing that that bridge creates a a, a hazard I believe uh, also that um, in emergency situations that that would not um, would not hold true. Right, like so, a fire truck could get over anything like that if they needed right. to. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Right. And a weight limit on you know, anyway, whatever I don't know what it is, but there's, there's certainly a weight limit on the bridge by its, stru its structural nature. Yeah. And, and then we'd have to make exceptions if you know for the DPW plow, plow trucks to get through, sure. police, fire, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, not so much police, but fire and DPW. Um, so you could make exemptions for sure. that with the state's you know uh, recommendation. Got a question in the audience? Yes, sir. Hello, Jeff Hyman, One Metacomet Street. Um, do we know what is the traffic now with trucks? So. That will be. Um, How did this come about to know that there's this cut through question, and do we know which way trucks are going? Was there I think that was discussed 20 years ago. <laughs> it, it was originally a, a citizen petition. The person sitting behind you yeah, asked I, I, the I'm town thinking to look into it. <laughs> I'm thinking Chris would probably pay for it. You wouldn't have to use Chapter 90 funds. She's been waiting so long. <laughs> okay, I should have sensed that. <laughs> um, but we're all friends. But you know. I live on Metacomet Street, so I'm driving, I'm the trucker, I'm driving down south, I go over the tracks, I come around, oh, I can't turn left on curve, I'm going to go left on Metacomet, left on Pleasant, right, I don't know what I'm doing. Do Just want to make sure, it sounds like you've got the, you're going to do a study, you're going to understand gonna, it. It's going to show, and they're going to do uh, different traffic, um, um, shows what, what, where the traffic is, what the traffic does, how many trucks go over there. They're going to have all that information. And, you, and for transparency, anybody kind of in some vicinity might understand, like, how do we know? Well, for $9,950, they better have good information. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> well, for the, for the ten grand that we're going to do on, spend on the study, uh, could we possibly get them to suggest whether or not it would make sense to have it be one way, one way or the other? Um, they they could look into that. Demo? I'm not. I mean, I could. Um, I can ask the question on, on the side. I don't know if there's a lot of extra money to. Yeah, uh, as long as they're looking at it, it would be yeah. nice to know whether that might be a solution right. to cut down on on people using that bridge. I'm sure they could. That's going to increase your scope of work. Yeah. I'm sure it does. Yeah. That makes sense. You have to because you look at cars inside structures. I mean, I can ask a question on the side for, for that and see what it would uh, take to 
to look into that as well? I mean, a traffic engineer probably could give you a real good gut reaction. Anything else on this one? No, I'm good. Um, we're going to vote on all yours at the end, I guess. So okay. why don't we go on to the next one? Phillips Street, weight limit. So I know um, Alex Stevens is, is Alec right here. Um, he had put a petition in to ask to put the uh, a truck exclusion as for weight limit on the um, Phillips Street Bridge there. Again, this criteria that you have to have an alternate route to uh, to get to the other locations where um, in this particular case, if you went by South Street to Elm Street, it would be another exclusion on that Elm Street Bridge there. Um, so it would probably most likely have to be looked at going through Walpole and coming back in if that's the criteria that the state um, requires. So isn't the issue that there was a, a, a some vehicle that broke the boards on the on the uh, bridge recently? Not the bridge. That's that's a that's a culvert that's uh, a culvert that allows water to pass underneath. It's not a, a, a continuous stream under there, but um, there is access for a gate to open up when the pond gets high to release some of that water. So um, I think over the years, I think it's probably. What would you guess 150, 200 years old for that culvert? At least I would say, yeah. Yeah. So it was just a matter of, um, you know, one of the capstones broke down. The, the, the structure underneath was pretty solid, but the capstone ended up breaking, and that's what we replaced. Um, so that's been fixed at this that's point? Been, that's been repaired. Oh, good. So if um, I believe this is, the exclusion is for the, for the bridge, or for the whole area? Yeah, so, for, so, so it's a culvert and, and the, the Phillips Street Bridge that we replaced in 2016-17 area. Questions, Gus? When, so we replaced the bridge in 2017. What was the weight, des design weight I for that I bridge? Don't, I don't know if they really put any design weight on there. Um, I can ask DOT, I mean, for exclusionary purposes, but I don't know what the uh, exact weight for that bridge is, but I can get it from MassDOT. Okay. They're the ones that did the project. And then when we do a weight limit like this, mm -hmm. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think, the lower the weight limit, the more trucks get thrown to Walpole. Is, there, is the weight limit chosen also a variable in this? If, if, the, if the weight cannot be handled by the bridge, then they'll put a, a, an exclusionary to that weight limit. Right. But what, maybe I guess a better way to put, when we have an exclusion like this, is it just an exclusion for all trucks above two and a half tons, whether or not there's a technical reason for it? It would be, yes, whatever's over that weight limit could, would not be able to pass over the bridge. They would have to use the alternate route. And in this case, would probably have to go through Walpole and get Walpole to sign off that they are okay with that. Well, let me dig deeper then. I understand why there's an exclusion on the bridge on Curve Street yep. because of the configuration. What's the argument for the exclusion on Phillips Street? I have to have to let Alex let Alex that one. <laughs> Behind you. Oh, you can stand up there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Even better. Um, I did send into Brittany some pictures and stuff, but... Um, <clears throat> oh, look, here they are. Oh. Thank you. Oh, thanks. I even get my notes here right in front of me. So Alex Stevens, 86 Phillips Street. Um, 
just first of all, I'd like to say thanks to Mo and his team, Bobby Kennedy, for quickly repairing the culvert when it failed. I uh, was thinking that it might be another multiple year outage, sort of maybe partly hoping that it would be, but <laughs> glad that it's fixed. Um, could have reconstructed the basketball court. Yeah, the famous basketball hoop would have come right back out, but didn't. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of things that are that are happening. The, if he could move to the next uh, slide, they. So I, uh, when when we bought that house in 2010, became the keeper of the dam. So when the rains come, or if there's snow melt with rain and wind, or if uh, Moe's crew releases the Beaver Dam at Fork Factory Brook um, to keep Hartford Street from going underwater, we get a lot of water. And when both when the bridge, uh, the wooden bridge that failed in 2016. And then this culvert last month failed. The debris from the stone walls goes into the streams, which then blocks the uh, the outfall. Which means that if there's a big rain event or snow melt event, the ability for me to send the water out of the pond and keep the antique dam from overtopping gets reduced. So the that's part one. Part two, if you could move on to the next one, is the uh, the um, narrowness of the roadway there. So I was out there measuring today and the narrowest part of the roadway is about 15 feet wide for both lanes combined. Um, so when there's multiple trucks going by and it happens all the time when there's two trucks coming in either direction, they're driving, they're hitting the trees with, you know, the, the branches are getting broken off. They're driving on my lawn, they're driving on the other side of the road. And what's happening is that the roadway uh, is failing at the edge on both in both directions. So as more trucks drive on the road, pass each other, drive off the road, that causes the, I don't know what you call it, the apron of the pavement to get destroyed. Um, and so the road gets progressively narrower. Um, and actually one of the uh, family members of someone who used to live just across the street, who now works at Lovells, uh, Jay Sabrowski, I think is his name, gave me a picture which showed that there was previously a weight limit there. Hmm. Um, so if you could m move to the next slide, please. Um, so I think some of the other things that are happening is that there's not really, there's only about uh, maybe a half a mile of Medfield Roadway that's uh, the rest of Phillips Street and a short section of Elm Street that's what um, Mo was talking about is would be inaccessible via Medfield from uh, if if this bridge or this section of roadway also had the weight limit on it that the Elm Street Bridge does. Um, but what's happening is that I think Waze or other apps are suggesting that people who want to save some minutes come through from Walpole into Medfield this way. Um, so it's really just a, a few houses that are that are in Medfield that it would be um, you know, maybe UPS or Amazon deliveries or something like that that would be impacted. Um, and then the other, I guess the other thing that just happens right after the bridge is the blind corner. So when you have, as the road rises up after the bridge, you come around that sharp corner and if you're walking a dog or riding a bike or whatever, it's uh, luckily you can usually hear them coming, but you can't see them coming. Mm -hmm. um, so then the rest of the stuff that I have is mostly pictures. The next uh, so this is the failure that happened just last month uh, as it was found when the, so when the granite sill or top piece fell into the stream, the, the dirt on top of that 
washed into the stream and then the roadway had nothing left to support it so it opened up a big sinkhole um, so that's what it looked like at first and then the picture with the excavator was when they'd started to uncover it the next one um, that sort of shows what it looks like underneath so it's really just ancient pieces of granite that probably were installed 1800s or 1700s um, and you know today a cement mixer went through there I don't know what that weighs 30 tons or something like that um, oil trucks tree trucks every, everything just goes through all day long it's not just UPS or Amazon it's big heavy equipment um, the picture on the right there shows the that's when the wooden bridge was removed in 2017 or 18 so that what's underneath that those plastic pieces is the other side of the stone wall that you see the remaining stone wall but a stone wall just like that has fallen into the waterway so that's what restricts the outlet and luckily during that time it was dry but when we have a, a big flood event like we did in the past uh, month or so I'm opening up all the valves and sending water up to the top of those cold, uh, sluiceways so I don't want to not be able to send that water out. Um, and the next the next one has just the sort of the apron of the pavement on either side where the uh, pavement is failing which makes it more and more narrow and then the right picture there is the bridge that was replaced just a few years ago that's the edge of the bridge where it meets the pavement and it's already sort of getting chipped away I don't know if that's from snow plows or from heavy trucks but it's sort of already showing some wear so and that oil truck was just this morning when I was out there measuring how road how wide <laughs> the road was um, and then the next one is just the old the picture from that shows the three ton weight limit on the uh, you know that's from I don't know when that was from but that's a while ago so that's I guess my two main issues in making the request to DPW into the town would be the um, ability to discharge water during storm events not being compromised by subsequent uh, overloading and failure especially of the granite culvert and then the width of the road not being safe for trucks to go by especially when there's two of them at once you could see on the the picture of the oil truck that he's going right down the middle of the road um, which I guess is better than driving right down the dirt on the side of the road but thank you um, Mo questions so so, so yeah <laughs> so uh, and Alec I'm I'm just checking to make sure I understand what's what's going on here first first point you made if this had a weight lip limit on the bridge already then is the issue we should be putting the weight limit on the bridge that was already there so rather than going through rigmaroles of studies and highway department approvals it, if this already was approved then the issue isn't that we need to impose one the issue is we need to re remark one is there a way of understanding how there could have been a three-ton limit somebody just put up a sign that said limit three I can do that I mean <laughs> that's, I can do that yeah but that's, but that's probably you know the issue is to find the records and the rationale for doing it the fact that somebody right. just put up a sign and pulled a figure out of wherever isn't going to validate the continuation of that so, so I guess what I'm saying though before we go spend I'm guessing ten thousand dollars for another study we ought to do a record search to see if there's an explanation of what maybe it was three tons until we redid the bridge and then it came down there may be reasons but 
And, and with, it, the new, with the new bridge, it might be a, a different weight limit on there. Right. So, so I'm, what, what I'm, I'm getting at, yeah, right. it would be good to do that research to even know whether we should put $10 into this because maybe it's already been resolved. That's, right. that's the first point. Move that aside because that might, that might be a short answer to your request, Alec. As I heard you, in part, I guess I'm not that, I don't spend that much time down there, so I'm not totally familiar with the traffic flow, but if we're talking about moving trucks all the way to Walpole because Phillip Street has a bridge, this has a bridge, I'm sitting there saying, okay, are we having a conversation about people who don't want trucks in their neighborhood and would like trucks to go somewhere else? Are we talking about a road which is not really adequately designed for the truck traffic, the traffic in general? If, you know, in other words, if the edges of the, tr of the road are eroding, that may not be, trucks may make it worse, but it's not a weight limit truck issue and it's not a safety, maybe it is because of what you said on the curb of the bridge, so I'm not, I'm not judging that. But what I'm getting at is much of your argument had to do with this is a road that doesn't handle traffic at all very well. If it's only 15 feet wide, you could say two cars have a hard time getting they by. Do. And I'm sensitive to the number of people who really, including me, really don't want traffic on their street, so they'd like to restrict the traffic and have the traffic go somewhere else. And I'm trying to gauge how much of your argument is really driven off of that as opposed to a true truck-related safety issue, like the one I would say on Curve Street. I get that one, and maybe I should get this one as well. I'm just asking the question. See what I'm getting at? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, like I was trying to uh, divvy up the different sides that I put together, the first, the most important issue for me is the um, ability to discharge water without having the dam over top and fail. And that's probably got nothing to do with the road. It's got everything well, to do with water. It has to do with if the, I mean, the, what happened in March when the, when the uh, granite piece collapsed after being there for 100 years, I, my, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that, you know, a straw that broke the camel's back, so to say, was another cement mixer or whatever going over the 1800s um, culvert. So there's no... When, when the bridge was replaced in 2017, 2018, that was uh, described to me as being able to hold whatever the standard roadway weight-carrying capacity is, but nobody looked at that time at the other one that just failed this past month. Mm -hmm. um, and so if that had happened in a different configuration or during a flood event and the sluiceway was blocked and there was no ability to send water out then what's going to happen is either the pond is going to overflow which is going to cause the 1600s dam to fail or the um the road the sort of section of grass on the side of the road that's closer to the pond is going to fill up and then it's going to overtop the road um but if i put if i throw that argument back at you that's an argument for getting the road fixed to where it handles the weight, not the speculation that it was a truck that broke the hundred-year-old stone. Therefore, we need to restrict trucks. Right. So I'm playing I, devil's advocate here. Understand, I understand. So I asked, I asked Mo when they were out there doing the repairs if there was a, a timeline for repairing the road, and you can chime in there. And it seemed like it was a few Within years out. The next few years, we, you know, it is on our pavement management, but um, it won't be. It's not not going to be in the next two years. But. 
does that are, does that justify blocking you're still going to do it Correct. Does that justify blocking Truxima Road permanently? Because in a couple of years, I'm, I'm not for or against. I know, but I'm just trying. Well, but I'm yeah. see what I'm doing. I'm passing the logic here. It's like, well, we're not going to get to that for a few years. Let's block all trucks from the road permanently, and then we are going to fix it. But by that time, there won't be any trucks anyway because we blocked them all. I'm, I'm having a hard time following the solidity of the logic. Is what it really is. Uh, Yeah. So I uh, just, sir, I'll just I'll just mention to you that no one can hear you that's watching on TV, ah. because you're you're not using the microphone. So if you want, if can you identify yourself? Sure. Please? My name's John Moon. I'm at 79 Granite Street. Uh, that road is a uh, is a hazard to humans uh, because of the blind curve that gets to the bridge. The bridge that this gentleman is describing is uh, is is not adequate for a 30 ton truck to be going over. I'm not an engineer. But this has happened multiple times over 30 or 40 years. Um, you're having to manage water flow that doesn't destroy your home and property. Um, maybe some people that actually, you know, are engineers could look at this space to see what is reasonable. I, I'm just a civilian. I don't know. But All right. So you know, when I said my first concern is the water flow, my second concern is that the road is too narrow for trucks that wide. Mm -hmm. So if the solution is rebuild all the culverts and make the road 25 feet wide and tear up my front yard and whatever, I mean, that doesn't sound great to me, but um, it's not like when the, you can hear it when two trucks go by at once and then the apple trees in my front yard get a pruning job or the, I've come out and find tire tracks in my lawn or whatever. It's not like, it's not a, um, the road, as he's saying, is not adequate for that size of traffic. So, I mean, I appreciate your uh, suggestion that it's just because I don't want trucks in my street. I mean, I don't think anybody wants trucks in their street, but in this case, the street is both uh, not wide enough and also I'm worried about the ability to send water downstream in heavy storm events. Eileen, questions, comments? Well, definitely comments. I'm very familiar with um, that that corner, and as Mr. Moon just said, it is really dangerous. And I think it goes back to a couple of months ago when we had a meeting and we talked about how roads in Medfield have evolved from being road like that. Uh, so I'm a, I used to run that road all the time. So if I'm running towards your house off of Elm, and you come, there's a crazy blind curve that then cuts down to the left, and you go over the bridge. Yep. To think that today two cement trucks could be coming into town and they go there is crazy dangerous um, but I guess the question I have is so the, is there a weight limit on the mine um, river or what's it the mine bridge Elm Street uh, so is there a limit on that one there is it's three tons so I, don't I would think that ever gets observed because the same heavy trucks go that way too and one time a uh, truck full of lumber went around that corner and all the lumber got scraped off by the overhanging tree I remember that was a few years ago so I mean it's yeah, so I hope, I'd be thrilled if we found that the three-ton wasn't some guy in the middle of the night decided to throw it up in 1940, that because of the way that that property has been around town for, for generations, um, that they realize that the, that the wear and tear would do damage to the road. Um, and if we've seen the wear and tear 
impact the the water damage that occurred to the to the road or technically the uh, the plumbing or the whatever the, the there you go <laughs> um, I mean one one could say that it makes sense that the, that the more trucks that are going over it because they they didn't in the past and I don't disagree with the ways and Google Maps and giving people shortcuts and now they're using roads that were never designed to have that type of wear and tear um, and then when you start to see the roads, the sides of the roads degrade, um, not only does that impact the truck drivers, but then you have people that are using it for biking and they're trying to push to the sides. And if you're on the road where you're having the apron deteriorate, that creates even a more dangerous situation because somebody on a bike is going to end up wiping out, um, and whether it be somebody running or biking. So that, that unfortunately, that stretch um, has evolved to be used in a manner which I don't think it was originally designed. What I think what I'm trying to get straight, and I don't have a position, I'm just trying to understand the rationale, is that I'm not sure if we're having a discussion about roads that aren't designed the way they need to be designed for mm -hmm. the way they're being used. I'm not sure that we're talking, or whether we're talking about roads that truly are, are damaged by trucks in a meaningful way. Like a bridge limit, I get. Yeah. A road, not necessarily uh, automatically. I understand. Again, I understand why people would not would prefer not to have trucks near them. That's good. Um, and um, probably in this case, compared to Curve Street, Curve Street, I understand the alternative route. Just go down the end of South Street and turn right or left and do whatever you're going to do, and it's easy. What I don't have a good feel for is the alternative route going through Walpole. How, how big a distance are we talking about? That's a big distance. We're diverting trucks. And that's one of the things. That's one of the things MassDOT would look at through the study to see how long the route would be, um, and then make a determining factor from there and make their recommendation. And, and Alec, just so you know, it's like I'm sympathetic when we. I'm probably more familiar with Pine Street because that's up close to where I live. But I also understand arguments that say no, this is a road that's a really, you know, this is one of those roads we shouldn't mess with, and we should do the thing. So I'm not. I'm not categorically against the argument you're making I'm just trying to be sure I actually understand that argument that's all is there any chance that the three ton limit that's on the Minebrook bridge got put up and the one for uh, Philip got taken down to balance that do we know I mean it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if, if one caused the other it has not the the sign on Philip Street has not been there since I've been there which is 2010 so I don't know what happened before then hmm. okay so I guess my uh, reaction is similar to my colleagues and Mr. Moons that uh, it would be helpful to have more data uh, about what's going on with that. Uh, and, uh, and I was fascinated to hear that you said that uh, Mass DOT was the one that rebuilt the bridge there. We, we went and got a small initiative grant for that bridge. Oh, that's how you did that. I was going to ask you. Cause yep, and then the state I'd, lo I'd love to have Mass DOT rebuild more things for us. So <laughs> thank you for that part. Um, so I think it would be helpful if we could try to track down whether we already have a three-ton limit um, somehow. I can uh, make inquiries to the state to see what, um, for both bridges, what Elm Street and for um, Phillips Street, to see what uh, what happened, what transpired in the past. Do they do they keep track of that sort I of? I sure thing? hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I, our I records not, are I good. I have not then. come across any information on any weight limits for for those two roadways. Yeah. And I mean, for the next one, we're going to be talking about as well. So, I mean, those, those bridges are clearly <laughs> so old that, uh, that we should try to protect them. So, um, and, and Alex, I think that uh, I hope you're part of uh, Medfield History uh, Weekend and explain <laughs> to people how you're keeping your, uh, your, your pawn at the right level. 
it's an incredible system that you have to operate. Um, next, Mo, go ahead. No, it, um, I mean, uh, there's a request for an exclusion from the, the weight limit on Bridge and Dale Street for that one weekend, for, uh, for historical weekend, for a trolley that's over the weight limit that's posted on a sign there. And again, that sign there, we don't have any documentation of how that evolved. Um, Maybe we Another guy in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, you know, Maybe we it, could move that sign over to your bridge. Yeah, <laughs> I was say. There, there's no bridge there. But it's, there? it's good to get this conversation on because you know we have these things and we don't know how they how it transpired. So, I can make an inquiry about that as well. Um, uh, you know, um, you hear different uh, reasonings for it. It could have been for to keep Tresca's, Tresca, Tresca trucks from entering that area. Sure. And, taking a shortcut so um, that's not the right reason to throw up a sign but it's effective and a three-ton limit would uh, would exclude suburbans and tahoes and uh, <laughs> a lot of other vehicles we can right. have an income opportunity for the police maybe in town to <laughs> so I'll, I'll make inquiries on all three of those bridges and see what the state has to okay. say and I can uh, get that information over to you but um, in the meantime um, you know we'll, we'll move forward with the uh, Curve Street um, study. Do you want to vote on, on, on the cemetery, the Curve Street, and the... Uh Can we still talk about the fourth one here? So for the for people in the audience that weren't here, what I think two meetings ago, the uh, presentation on the Medfield History Week came in, and the request is that the trolley that's showing the, the going on the tour of Medfield was going to go down Dale Street by the entrance to Vine Lake Cemetery, they asked the question that said, well, gee, we want to put this trolley down there, and there's this sign halfway down Dale Street facing in one direction only that says there's a weight limit that will our trolley will exceed the weight limit. And so we went to Mo and asked, uh, hey, can we get an exception? And Mo said, go talk to the selectman, which was sort of interesting, being asked a question <laughs> about, <laughs> about asking us to sit there and decide whether a 16... Well, you are the road commissioners, right? Oh, yeah, we're the road commissioners, <laughs> and we are the keepers of all knowledge that most other people don't have in this town. So <laughs> that was sort of interesting. So here's what I think I understand about that particular. The only reason I'm pushing this now is because I think we said we would defer this for a couple of weeks and we would get back to people. If I understand correctly, Mo, your informal judgment is that it probably would not be disastrous for us to allow that trolley on that weekend, on that one day of that weekend, to go down Dale Street for the number of trips it's going and probably no culverts will be destroyed, no hundred-year-old granite capstones will fall into gaps in the, in the road. Bridge Street's going to be reconstructed in the next couple of years. So. so if we did any minor damage, we would probably fix it. So we could probably safely, in our infinite wisdom, accept that that would be okay on that one day. I would, I would. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared to go out on a limb on that one if you are. You don't need a $10,000 study for that? <laughs> you sure? Just don't put a weight limit on people getting on the trolley. That's yeah. going to have a whole different Yeah, <laughs> 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 I not thought about that. They might have to. We could always have them get out and walk. We'll put that, one on, <laughs> we'll put that on you, Chris. <laughs> See, it's a lot more fun being the number three slam because you can just do all this stuff. They get to figure it out. So, are you all set then? With oh, now they. Now I am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Do we have a question in the back? Can I comment after you vote? Sure. Um, so, uh, 
Well, are you looking for votes you, on do all? You know something that we don't um, know that we need to know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> on all four, or I think um, I think on on, on the Phillips Street. I think we need more data. We're going to need more data data on that, um, and then you know we're going to move forward with the Curve Street uh, with the uh, with with your approval, and um, the cemetery expansion project is on the town meeting warrant. So we're just looking for your support on that. Mm -hmm. So, right, so we'll do them one at a time. All right, okay. so uh, I motion Maurice Gullett, Director of Public Works, just can I pre just present it to us, and now we're requesting a vote on the cemetery expansion project? Uh, uh, second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye, aye. Yes. Go All ahead. right, second one. Update on truck exclusion request for Curve Street. Which, which includes, I think, the uh, Roughly about a, just 9, under $10,000 yep. expense. Okay. Is there a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Um, the citizens request for a wait limit for Phillips Street. I believe we're going to wait for more data we're to come in. Wait. For That's yeah. deferred. Okay. Yep. And then request an exclusion from the wait limit on Bridge and Dale Streets for Medfield History Weekend Trolley. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Thank All you. Right. Three out of four. That's not bad. For baseball, that's pretty good. I was though. just about to say. Well, did they get a two for one sale at the, the engineers? Do <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Uh, next item, Jeff Hyman to discuss, to provide an update of the citizen. You, you were have oh, sweet. We had uh, Chris. Oh, had Chris. A yeah, I'm sorry. Chris Potts, 7 Curve Street. I just wanted to express my deep, sincere appreciation for pursuing the truck exclusion. And I also want to just make sure, for the public's benefit, this was a whole street undertaking uh, since probably early, mid-1990s. And uh, in 2015, the, a prior Board of Selectmen actually voted to pursue the truck exclusion. So um, I just want to express my appreciation for, this, for the safety of the kids and everybody that uses that street. Thank you. It took us a while to get around to it, Chris. So <laughs> thanks for bearing with us. Um, <laughs> well, the bridge was built in 1800, I think you said, so put things in perspective. Uh, <laughs> if you plan your death soon, <laughs> we could accommodate you. <laughs> um, next, we have Jeff Hyman to provide an update on the citizen petition for the creation of Groundwater Protection Committee, the CGPC. Hi, I'm Jeff Hyman, Metacometry. I'm going to actually turn the mic over to oh, my, okay. my colleague, Teresa Prego. And um, thank you for, uh, you tasked for us. So we met with you, we talked, you tasked us to meet with various boards, and we did that and various things. So Teresa's going to uh, present back to you some of those, that information. Okay, thank you. Thanks uh, for coming. I, sure. I think we've got a uh, presentation as well. We sent a summary. Um, Teresa Prego, 41 Pleasant Street. I would ask that you not send the trucks down Pleasant Street because my dog has been hit twice by kids in the uh, after-school Zoombies. And the poor little fellow would not stand a chance against a truck. Um, keep him on South Street. Be good to go, Frank. So we did do, as, uh, as you had asked us, we uh, did the tour of various boards that would be impacted or have uh, some sort of... Um, influence of water and the GPAC uh, being able to assist them. So we created a, uh, a summary of who we spoke with and what the, uh, what the responses were. You can go to the next slide. Maybe. 
That's the Charles River as viewed from the state hospital. We do have beautiful water and uh, um, sources of water in Medfield. So um, just a reminder, the mission was to have a citizen group uh, with some specific expertise be able to advise the board of select or the select board. Sorry, we did not update this uh, after the meeting. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> uh, and just have the ability to to address the what is very complex, multi-layered, and impacts multiple boards um, in town. Really, with the idea of promoting citizen awareness, education, and promotion of groundwater um, conservation and and preservation. Um, we would operate independently, report to the board, and would work on the development and deployment of community education and awareness campaigns, improving community understanding of their impact on water resource and the impact of, uh, you know, ongoings and um, proposals. Um, and additionally, we may assist with, and this came from the discussion with the various boards and um, other groups in Medfield and in neighboring towns, uh, creation of an updated water resource risk profile, review of current aspects and impacts affecting uh, Medfield's water resources, uh, collaborate, benchmark, and leverage expertise with neighboring watershed partners. Um, there's a lot of information there, and so I think uh, collaboration would be uh, very beneficial to all of the towns, and would do this at the direction of the Board of Selectmen. And then let's go to the next slide, and I'll talk a bit about um, what we heard from the different boards, particularly the Board of Health, uh, very favorable, feels like they, um, you know, there's a lot that comes into them as questions that they're not uh, able to take on. And so potential areas for assistance that that, that group saw were in stormwater impact, consolidation of information for sharing with the public. Um, often in discussions, it's a sort of heat of the moment type of response, but there's a much more proactive way to, to make sure that people are educated on the impact uh, on our water. Education on streamlining the approval process for applicants. This is one of the things that they hear is that there are multiple boards involved and uh, could that be easier for applicants? Um, and they also suggested input on their checklist requirement um, with pending water and EPA requirement changes just to make sure um, because they do not have anyone with uh, that specific expertise. Is the checklist current? Is, are there things that they should be considering? And then um, as we were chatting with them within the next week, a, a question came into the Board of Health on the impact on groundwater. So that was an area identified as uh, they could potentially use this group's help. The Conservation Commission, also a favorable uh, discussion there. And really their impact is on educating homeowners. Um, you know, what happens uh, when you put all kinds of stuff on your lawn, is it necessary, where does it go? Um, and then, you know, building a well or digging a well to, um, to be able to sprinkle your lawn, same aquifer that that well is drawing from. So helping people understand that as well. So their interest was really on education, uh, public relations around water preservation, instead of being seen as the mean guys uh, in town when we restrict, put water restrictions in place. Why are we doing that and what's the impact and why is it a good idea to comply? Um, and then just uh, overall raising the understanding of, of our community's impact on Medfield's water. Um, water and sewer, we're not able to get on the agenda, but we're able to provide the board with a summary of the proposed um, committee and answered questions. And the warrant committee, we're actually, as you know, there's a citizen's petition on the, uh, it's Article 32. So we're scheduled with them for April 11th, pending the outcome of today's meeting. 
And then you want to go to the next slide. We did look at Dover, Sherborne, uh, Wellesley. This is just an example of what Wellesley did, and theirs is the Natural Resor Resource Commission. So they did a townwide survey um, just to understand where people uh, felt the objective should be prioritized, which was useful just in decision making and in understanding you know, what the, uh, the residents of the town felt was important. And the next slide. So here is our proposed next steps and would love to have a discussion with you around what you see happening next. Um, we'd recommend an appointment for an initial period of one year uh, if that's the case, then that would allow us to remove the citizen's petition from town meeting and shorten it by one petition. So we're, since we're Article 32, I'm not sure that's hugely helpful as a time saver, but it does take one thing off the agenda. Um, and develop clear and shared objectives and the focus of the GPAC and that ensure that we are serving in an appropriate advisory capacity to all of you as the select board um, and operating in collaboration with the other boards. So we're not trying to be watchdogs, just trying to you know, make sure that the information is, is consolidated, is shared with citizens, um, and is just um, consumable for people in a way that it may not be right now. Um, and basically, you know, be a resource to you um, specifically in the area of groundwater preservation and impact. So would love to hear your thoughts after that summary. Thank you for coming. Dustin, do you want to start? Yeah, I got, about, I got several questions. For, uh, first off, let me deal with the article on the town. I, I don't think that's legal. It's, I don't think it's a legal article. There's nothing actionable in terms of having an article say we're forming a committee. I think that, I mean, you can go through with it, but I think as a practical matter, I don't think it's legal. There's no authority the town meeting has to dictate. I don't know who you'd be dictating to to form that committee. It's not a bylaw. We're an appointing authority. The town meeting can't tell us what we have to appoint. So I, I view that article as a throwaway regardless. It's, let's just take I think away. the I, point is that there's a citizens group that would like this, so I think that's There was the, something in the wording of that article that caught my attention that alarmed me. You referred to yourself as an operating committee in that article? Yeah, so the, what is an operating, what does that mean? I, so we, that language was the original language used when we wrote the petition to then come before the town meeting. So I'll call that an early version, but that would not be the language. The, the, the warrant committee is actually asked prior to April 11th to write, and we would probably need assistance with that from town council to understand what that what that wording should be to make it a legal or a votable article. I mean, we came before as a petition, town meeting, I see your point, mm -hmm. it, that can be confusing, but understand that that was an early version and that version, the, the article would have to be written okay. in such a way to make <clears throat> it proper. Okay, so I, I so there's that piece of that. I just didn't know what, what that meant. Yep. And then there's the broader legal piece that it's like, I don't know how that article as any kind of a compelling argument actually has any legs at all because there's no, there's no authority. That's an observation on the article. In this committee, but it sounded like you were saying, but we'd like you to form a committee. And in this presentation, it was referred to as an independent committee. What does independent committee mean? 
that we're trying to, we're not pulling in from anyone that's uh, affiliated with, uh, you know, any contracts with the town or engineering groups that we're using. So we're trying to be an independent group of citizens or a group of citizens with some expertise in this area mm -hmm. that can assist. Does it mean something more than you're an advisory committee? Once again, we, we see it as an advisory committee to the, the select board. And you can appoint, we'd like to be appointed, Therese and I, as these first proponents would like to be appointed, you may say no mm -hmm. or yes, but you also want to appoint other uh, people as well, up to a number that you think is important. I mean, we've mentioned maybe five people so that you have this committee. So you may, when we benchmarked other communities, you see people appointed from a board of health or a conservation commission or a water and sewer mm -hmm. board. So you could say, okay, I like what you guys are doing, but we let's get a couple of other people with the expertise from other boards or other members of the community. So if you choose to vote to do this, you may appoint who you may want to appoint up to the number of people you would like as well. So it is advisory to you. We would okay. we're not going to go to anybody. We're going to go to you with here's what we found. Here's what we think would be as an example uh, awareness and education that we might do to the community on conservation okay. in the summertime. So, and you so that, that leads me to my third question. I think when you came in, first off, when you all I think, think Jeff, you came when you all first came and said we care about groundwater, we have some expertise, we'd like to have a committee forum that we could help provide advice there. I think all three of us, our first reaction was, that's great. We love the fact that you want to share your expertise with the town. I think the one guidance we gave you was check with the water department, water and sewerage, to see how what you would do meshes with their role. Uh, because I would say it's fair to say that we look to the water department as the stewards of our water, whether they're smart in all the dimensions of groundwater specifically that you might have been able, been able to bring to the table. That's, that's the part where I thought there was the opportunity. But personally, I was looking for an endorsement from the water department that said, yes, they're going to fill this unmet need or they're going to strengthen us in this area. And that's something we'd like to do. And I I didn't see We're unable to get on their agenda. If you could assist with that, we would love to have that discussion. Well, we'll okay, I think it's worth having the discussion, but for me at least, I kind of want to know the water department likes that. Okay. Um, the second piece on what you had in the presentation, and, and where I'm coming from here is not to create another committee that basically has got sort of some of the responsibilities that another committee has because that just con creates confusion. One of the things that you did put in there, I think when you talked to the, the other committees that you talked to, one of the things I think the Conservation Commission in particular jumped out at me, they said, you know, if you can provide education around water, you know, say water conservation and, and better treatment of water, that would be great. I absolutely agree with that. But as soon as I read that, I said, why aren't you working with Sustainable Medfield? So we are, I mean, we've been invited. I, I personally attended one of the meetings at the library recently. Yeah. So that was the first time I met all the groups that are part of that. Yeah. So because we're, we don't exist yet, yeah. we, we're being very careful yeah. about how we operate yeah. and that we don't want to step on anything that we, you know, we've been asked to participate in things that we can't just do that yet because we don't exist. 
So, so well, we, they know us, right. they've invited us, we know them, and we'd love to be obviously in their mix of things and committees. So my, again, my, where I'm coming from is not to have duplicating, overlapping responsibilities. You're just gonna create chaos. Personally, I think sustainable Medfield is one of the best things that Medfield has to help promote environmental awareness. Now granted, a lot of it's energy, but the, but the mission that they have, the approach they've taken so far around making information available, reaching out to the public. You know, people have a question, you can go there and in their areas of, of, of interest, I think they have a pretty good franchise. So that, but it would make sense to me for you to make an argument to them to expand their franchise to not merely be energy, but also be water. And, and so, so what, I'm try, what I'm getting at here is if I'm living here in town and I'm looking for environmental education oh well, you go to this group for this kind of environmental education and that one for this kind it's like that undermines the effectiveness of the education where if it was all in one spot maybe they don't want to do that i haven't they've offered maybe. to utilize their website and to they just don't have the capacity to take this on but it's beyond just education well, too. But, but so i think we would, don't have we the would. people they probably don't have the expertise what i'm getting at is for what you're trying to do, especially in those areas where education, would it make more sense to team up with Sustainable Medfield and, and address those needs that way? From so perhaps for the education sharing, but that's only one component. That's, but that showed, absolutely. But it was a big component. It was a lot. That's what the Conservation Commission on your slide was looking for. Uh, I would I, I'm, not, I'm looking for the smartest way to do this that actually accomplishes what we're saying we're trying to do not just automatically assume it's got to be a committee that gets formed. That's, that's where I'm coming from. We, we have too many committees in this town as it is, and I am hypersensitive about committees too many that committees are with citizens involved. I mean, so you'd rather have citizens in fewer committees? And do you use the, the, that committee as an advisory board for your decision-making? I, I would making? rather have, if we have issues that we, the, we think the town needs advice, that's one thing. I'm saying some of the, th I, I would prefer not to have people think the only way they can get good stuff done in this town is by a commission committee launched by the town, when in fact we have other committees that aren't launched by the town, they're not under control of the town, and they're doing good stuff. And I was, in your case, the sustainable Medfield is the one that jumped right out at me. They're doing good stuff. Uh, and it would, and from my viewpoint, it would be good for them not to broaden the environmental front that they're that they're offering to people here in town by way of education to make progress there so that's what i'm getting at is i don't think we want committee 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 and this committee's overseeing that committee or that board or this committee does this but that board has the responsibility we're, we're getting some chaos right now that i'm not at all happy to see and i kind of want to get out in front of that so that's well, that was where my i think our objective in having clear goals and objectives aligned with, with your agreement is very important, because agree, I think you don't want a lot of committees where it's sort of either overlapping or nebulous what the objectives are. So, fair enough, and so maybe what I would say is the education piece of that, it seems to me, if you want clear, focused goals and objectives, I would move the education piece off into something like a sustainable med field. It doesn't have to be that, it's up to, it, when it's not in the town, you can do it the way you think makes the most sense. So just to clarify the yep. way I see it, unless somebody wants to argue it, Sustainable Medfield is actually brings groups of 
people, whether they're committees or things together in a forum mm -hmm. where, where a citizen of Medfield can go to and look around, mm -hmm. go on the website. But they, they coordinate that. They sort of pull it all together. So they're actually would love to have a committee like this or related to water because nobody is focusing on that but like my point the way is we you see You don't need the town to appoint that committee. Okay. You can just ha be that committee. That, I'm not saying so you don't have something else in mind. Sure. But I'm saying you don't need that. I, I feel like you're, you're shortchanging a little bit, but maybe not. Maybe they just have a really good website. And I know that they're try they are trying to build networks. So, but so I, I, partly what I'm saying is I'd like to get the town out of some of the stuff that citizens of the town think would help. Because so that's what builds a strong community. Yeah. So I'll just jump in because that was, this is my sort of main question to you is why, why should it be a town committee as opposed to just a group of citizens who are focused on this topic like sustainable Medfield or somebody else is? Um, and I just I, I wasn't sure in my own mind why it should be a town committee. Can I, can I just, so Teresa may have, you know, a response to this too. Um, one thing that comes to mind is as an appointed committee to the board, we can seek grants to, for example, I, I personally believe that we, we need branding, actually. If we're looking at conservation and water and, and protection, there's a branding opportunity. Maybe we have some expertise in that, but maybe we can have grant money to help pay for a consultant, which we would, of course, pass through you, present, talk about it. But having, being an appointed committee allows us to sort of organize. I mean, we simply can be noisy citizens, and I can show up at every board meeting, which I am now doing more often, and have some, you know, uh, uh, say at the table and, and bring things forth and raise my hand here at this meeting. But this is an opportunity to be a little bit more organized, a little bit more empowered, and a little bit more, you know, that, you know, to be able to just, I don't know, it's really empowerment to work with you, okay? I, you know, b boards are busy. They're mm -hmm. busy, okay? I've sat in on the boards, and they've got a lot going on. A lot of it may be inherited from the past and different things, and, you know, we just want to be helpful. We're hearing from, from most that there's, there's an oppor opportunity, but having that organization is just a way to be able to be more organized, maybe get grant money, be recognized a little bit more importantly than just being, but what, what you're saying is you could just be this citizens group, go talk to, you know, sustainable Medfield, but it's, it's not as, not as powerful, you know, to, to work I mean, with if you. We're, if we're looking for committees to have power, I, I don't, that's, that's, that's maybe the, the wrong word. Committees that have persuasive to, power, but okay. not, let's okay. go to the selectmen, be a committee, and then we're a committee. And it's like, okay. that's not what uh, That's not our intent. Stuff. Having been that's on many committees that are citizen committees in Medfield, yeah. you don't have the ability to access the boards in the same way. And it's very difficult to also have a, a discussion I, with the select that board. It's 100% opposite, Teresa. I, I you were on different boards. The years that yes. the, the State Hospital Master Planning Committee was working from 2014 to 2018, I was never on that committee. And I showed up at virtually all of their meetings, and I was respectful. They did some things that frustrated me, sure, but I, I think you're way underestimating the influence you can have if you come in 
whether you're, you know, you don't have to be a formal town committee so, to be able to do that. So I would agree with you we, yep. that, you know, using the Medfield State, that committee as a, by example yep. is the one that I used last night with the school, you know, yep. with the school discussion about that's the opportunity for transparency. But, you know, I've attended two of the board meetings. One was um, virtual and one was live. And it seems like they, they've got a lot going on. And so, you know, it's sort of like, you know, whiz bang, we got to go. And by the way, you know, so my question is, if that can be answered by that board, is, is, there, a, is there an opportunity at that meeting specifically designed for listening to citizens dis discuss five minutes or whatever? Is there an opportunity yeah. for that? And I if we're a committee to do that, is that going to be guaranteed? You get the microphone, Bill, but we're, or you can go up there. But at at which know. meeting is, are you asking? I think water. Hi, uh, Bill Harvey, Chair, Water and Sewer Committee. Um, getting on our agenda is not uh, a difficult thing. Um, I know when you tried to get on, we are trying to uh, uh, review budgets, and we had some other critical things. Um, but um, uh, not once have we had uh, any uh, suggestions about uh, making, you know, substantive operational changes from 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 the public so if you have some ideas then you know we're all ears for that um, I, I do see some uh, a duplication of the responsibilities that are being proposed um, we do have a you know conservation um, agenda and public relations you know campaign that'll be going on this year um, not only uh, you know the, the um, conservation part but when we finish the uh, filtration plant, we expect that to be a teaching tool for both, for both schools as well as the public for where the water comes from. And this is a technology, and it should get kids interested in, um, you know, its STEM specifically in water and wastewater treatment. Um, and the um, the the idea of 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 securing and understanding the security of our water resources. Uh, no one uses more water than the town um, department itself. And um, we have a, a pretty good idea not only where the waters, um, where they are, but you know, how they're being used. And, um, you know, we're taking, you know, some specific actions to protect them. Um, one of them being, uh, for example, you know, looking at the uh, bacteria uh, uh, count that we saw last, last, uh, last summer that uh, was responsible for us to shut down one of the wells. It was right near the dog walking area. So we are uh, looking at the possibility of even of advising moving the walking trails and the dog walking trails away from the water resource. And as an outright, uh, you know, if, if we have to, then we'll, we already have a proposal and a design for putting fencing and protecting our, 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 our wellheads. Um, so a lot of the things that are in this presentation, I think, are being addressed. Um, we could use uh, a couple more resources. We've been actively uh, you know, campaigning and trying to you know, find um, a, a one or two more associate members. Um, and I think also some of, when I look at the Department of Health it, itself, I, if there are expertise that would help, you know, Steve and his um, uh, depart, uh, uh, board, that, um, you know, a, uh, a resource there, you know, slid into, into that team would help a currently operating um, board, which um, has, you know, has many things to do and 
creating another committee, I think, would be, I mean, I'm all for uh, not just particip participation, but also activism. But I think that right now, um, it would actually, actually suck some of the resources out of these committees that need the resources. And so it, you might want to report to the to selectmen of um, some misalignment or something like that. But the truth is that you said that the boards are busy. Well, they would be even more busy if there are less people working on those boards and there's sort of a brain drain when if you already have those areas of ex expertise, then go through the process. I, I would encourage you to go through the process of requesting to be appointed to the board and go through their vetting process so that you can become part of the existing boards that are, that are here today. That, that's that's what I, I'm here to ask for some of the resources that you are looking for, but I think that creating another entity in and of itself, that would be a different conservation campaign other than the town's conservation campaign and others, I think would create brand dilution. Um, you know, you, you spoke about branding. That would create brand dilution and also really the, the dilution of authority across multiple uh, committees and boards. Thanks very much, Bill. So Eileen, do you have comments? questions at this point so uh, listening to you guys talk right now it's it's an interesting dialogue and I as much as I love the idea I actually love what Bill just said so um, Teresa and Jeff you're asking for a one-year appointment I would actually love to challenge you within the next year to come back uh, and to come at, to see are there boards are there groups that you either could join or if you as citizens start to gather information. Um, Jeff, you made a comment, I don't even know, you know, I don't understand the grants. If you can't apply for a grant as a citizen, if you have to be assigned by a board, if that was the case, if you were working with, um, with Bill's group or the conservation group, would that give you the ability to then potentially apply for some of the grants? Um, but, I, yeah. um, but, I, but I know you're appointed, you're part of the town, so if you, if yes, there was- Yes, our, yeah, our, our board is appointed by you, this the, by the select board, yes, previously, and we have an operating budget. Yep. So, if there are uh, places to expand, whether it, in any of these dimensions that were spoken of earlier, there is a, a budgeting process for that, and that obviously that goes line by line, and um, that would be approved by by the by the town through its budgeting process itself. So, we we already have an, an operating rhythm, a revenue rhythm, and you know a. Uh, 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 cost controls uh, rhythm that happens uh, monthly uh, on this. So I, I think there's the infrastructure and the people in place. We're like, you know, there's one seat open over here on this board that needs an associate. There's one seat over there. And I, I think that those were, those are probably the, the, you know, the, the talent holes that, that the town, uh, the town, that the town needs. Thanks, Bill. Mark? Yeah, I just want to point out that this discussion, uh, needs to take place with the understanding of the regulatory environment that's in place, which is fairly elaborate from a number of boards and sources. Uh, so you've got the planning board, which put into place zoning, which has, you would know, Pete, a number of sections that deal with groundwater protection uh, and stormwater and aquifer and all that sort of thing. Uh, board of Health has jurisdiction. The Planning Board has its subdivision rules and regs, have a separate, separate stormwater recharge thing. Then you have water and sewer, 
which has uh, in both in the context of the withdrawal permits and in the context of MS4, which is actually DPW, which is stormwater, we've been required to adopt uh, bylaws. Uh, we have a stormwater, an elaborate stormwater management bylaw and an illicit discharge bylaw as well. So, uh, and then of course conservation has its jurisdiction if it involves a wetland resource. So there's a large amount of regulatory authority. Uh, some of it, a lot of it overlapping out there already. Uh, and so you need to proceed with recognition of that. Okay. Yeah, and I think it, the boards uh, in, in just in the last couple of years are sitting on each other's meetings occasionally. Sometimes I had, you know, uh, Steve and the, and the Board of Health in for uh, a couple of meetings in the last couple. I and mean, we've made, our board's made a commitment to meet with them. I think it's a, at, at least a, a, a semi-annual basis to have, you know, op open channel meetings with them on, on our, our board meetings. So um, the connectivity that, that's, that's desired and being expressed, it just has to be, you know, you know, operationalized in a, a normal normal uh, rhythm of, uh, of, each, of each of the board. I have a, a calendar that by month, these are the things that a minimum have to be covered for, for to support Mo and, and, and his team, as well as the, uh, the you know, the, the regulatory aspects, the, uh, the, um, um, the rate setting process, uh, the capital project uh, process and, and also the master planning process for both water and wastewater uh, resources so that you know we the town has the master plan for for each of those so um, so you, you know, guys are really organized and, and you've well got we, your there's schedule, there's three so. we know yep. in certain times of yep. year certain things need to, to be, be accomplished way, so. right yep. so it, it it's not like uh, there's a reason why when you come to uh, a board meeting like this there's a list of things that yep. need to be accomplished but so the I, meetings I'm, can go I'm going to suggest this because uh, you haven't been to, to the water and sewer board I, we've attended but we were not on the agenda okay. yeah, so you need to I think for me that's a a primary thing you need to go to the water and sewer board and talk to them and have them come back I mean we, Bill's given some off-the-cuff opinions here um, but I think that for me that would be a, a, a starting point to go there and have have a discussion with them about about it as I say for me the the primary thing was why does it need to be a town board but you know we can talk about that um, I, I I commend you guys Jeff and Teresa for your interest in this. I'm interested in this topic too. I'd like to see less phosphorus running into the river and, and all those things that come from our fertilizers. Um, but, but I think at this point we need more information back, um, especially when the chair of water and sewer is saying that he has some reservations. So I would hope that you guys can go and talk to them. Eileen is suggesting that you, know, you take a year, um, but you know, whatever it is, I don't think we're in a position to do anything tonight, I guess, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And Gus is saying, yeah, yeah so. I understand because if you guys were looking to be appointed for a year, you would look for that short term. I think it gives you a, a runway of you've definitely put this on the map. And now if you can meet with Bill, I also sense that Bill may have some openings. So if there is a way to help additional, uh, excuse me, existing committees, but then they know what you're what you guys are looking to focus on. I think to your point, I think there's there's more discussion to be had. But I, I absolutely positively applaud the time, the energy, the interest that you guys have. I mean, the yeah. more citizens get to step forward and want to make Bed Medfield a better place to live, you know, yeah, I and, can't and, say and, thank and you and enough. One of the issues that we see is this crosses boards. So joining a board 
um, is a solution, but it doesn't allow that liaison and you know meeting twice well, a I, year. I think this tough. might come. This actually conversation is going to stimulate the the liaison that that needs to be done as a rhythm, and I, I think the select board should probably hold all of our boards and committees in a way uh, accountable to make sure that we are liaising in, in that specific way mm -hmm. so that we're just not in our silos and then we come to you when we have like a problem and then we're like, oh, well, you should come next meeting when we get someone else here. So I think, you know, you should charge all of the boards and committees to uh, make sure that, you know, they have their tendrils out to the other boards and committees on some sort of rhythm basis um, just as a placeholder, maybe nothing happens during that, but at least it, it's there and it's part of the operating yep, rhythm. Yep, and, 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 and we do hope that you are engaging in that and reaching out as you say you are. So, uh, so Mark, go ahead. Can we please. get a spot I think on your next agenda? At least it's important uh, to talk, as talking to Water and Sewer, some other town board, is to do a study of everything that we have in place right now. Uh, and get an understanding of that and how it uh, coordinates or perhaps conflicts. Mm. That's a really good starting point to know where you need to go. Yeah. Uh, like I said, some of this stuff has been on the books since well before my time. Some of it was in response to s federal and state regulation, uh, the more increasing requirements on water withdrawal, the MS4, the stormwater, I have a sense that there's to put stuff in place that I'm, I'm sure nobody took a very close look at. Uh, but it's it's all it's all out there, and it, and it really ought to be coordinated yeah. and consistent. Well, more to more to that point, there are probably specific work streams that, whether you're a builder or you're uh, you're looking to move into the area or you're just a citizen, like what is that activity stream? What's the first thing that has to be done? What's the next thing? And map this out. So each of this process of doing things and it has touch points of all these boards, it should yep. be a workflow and it should fit on a single piece of paper. Like, here are the steps. Yep. This is ideally, your guiding principle. Ideally, and then we would have it. that, Bill. I don't think we have it at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that. So thank you. And, and, and to your point, I think there are, like stormwater comes to my mind, I think there are multiple people that have control right, yeah. over stormwater in, in Medfield. So I think that t for tonight we're not going to do anything, but um, we encourage you to keep working on this idea. We think it's an excellent idea, and, and we'll just figure out as you work on it more and, and get back to us as to what sort of form it should take in, in our minds maybe. Uh, we certainly need to hear back from water and sewer. As so to could we get a commitment that we can have this discussion at your next board meeting? Do you have room on the agenda? Um, is, we have a meeting on Friday, and it's 45 minutes to change a couple of numbers on a warrant article. you guys take article, but the, the discussion of this yeah. out of, yeah. of this discussion? Because we don't need to be part of that, and we've got a lot of other things that we need to do tonight. So yeah. yep. no, no, You have my commitment. You yeah. I'm sorry, what? We may come back to you if we need assistance with oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Please do. Yeah. No, as I say, we all seem to like your idea, so... And we're very delighted that you're engaged in it. So, Can I just give, because I'm the guy that threw the first bucket of water on you, Jeff, probably in this discussion, um, just so my thoughts about what I just heard. Um, when you put the slide up with having talked to the Conservation Commission, having talked to the Board of Health, first off, I think Bill has at least indicated that if there's interest in, in uh, being an associate member of the board, if you really want to get into the technical details of water, I would say the associate membership on the Board of Water and Sewer, at least at some point, is, is a pretty good plank to put down on the floor. 
Um, as I was listening to you talk, the the board of the conservation commission was the edu for me was on your slide. That was sort of the education issue, which I, I honestly think I would try to explore with sustainable Medfield for all the reasons I said. The board of health they have a harder time recognizing the right way for you to help them do what it is that they want to do. I don't have a good answer for it. So if you have a good answer for it, I speaking personally, I would be happy to hear that. Uh, and then the discussion that came at the end around mapping out either the, you'd mentioned the permitting and something like that. Uh, as I listen to that, if there is a specific need like that that's you know, sort of broadly recognized, and I would suggest probably the best source to kind of validate that would be you, that if there, in other words, if, a, if there was a committee that came, or a group of people came together and said, look, we know you have this problem, we would like to tackle this one problem, and you thought it was a good, you could use the help and you'd welcome it, that would be something that would be very easy for me to be supportive of it's discreet it's focused and that that's good the issue of the the getting together even if everybody in the group that you have was doing a different thing that doesn't mean that you all become that network that bill is calling for you become just because of who you are so you, you know you can be in three different places but that doesn't mean you shouldn't still come together as kind of a collective consciousness that says, well, we're doing this over here and that over there. So I, I know I threw water on the idea when you started. I, I'm not really intending to throw water. You guys have stepped forward. You, I, I'm taking you at your word. You have the expertise. Water is a really important thing. I didn't want to put a redundant, I didn't want to support a redundant thing, but that doesn't mean, A, I don't appreciate what you did, and B, I don't think there's any potential there. So what it's worth can I make a quick comment yes Alan go just, ahead and I, I, I not only having heard about this just today apologies for not being more informed but as a former volunteer on a number of different committees I will say that we have a town that has a lot of expertise in the citizens and the biggest obstacle that I see is getting those people in a position where they're willing to contribute their expertise. And a lot of people might have a low barrier of, well, I have this expertise, but if I don't uh, feel like people are receptive to my expertise or there's too many obstacles to being able to contribute it, then and maybe this is me being cynical and selfish after previous experience, is to say, why should I bother? So mm -hmm. hearing the discussion and not really being, I don't want to say that any of the reasons that were presented for making the decisions you're making are invalid, but hearing the sort of, you know, put the, put the stops on this makes me just worry that that kind of uh, reaction is just sort of a damper on people's willingness to contribute their well-meaning and uh, hard-earned volunteer time. So that's all, that's all I have to say. Well, I, thanks, Alex. But I think that, I, I think we're all very encouraged and, and, and very excited about this, uh, this offer to make our town better um, and, and to look at our water. But we need to figure out how it's going to fit in. So that's what we're trying to figure out. Yes, I, Jeff. I understand there's a process to it. I just felt like, like hearing about it, oh, this is a great thing, and then just sort of felt deflated about the, like, oh, no, 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 we can dig deeper. We can look and see how things are, you know, understand how things are operating. We started to do that by meeting with boards. 
Um, you know, we don't like being at the kids' table, but we want to be heard. And, you know, you can be dismissed as just a citizen, okay? There can be a perception of, of things at meetings where it's like you're just an afterthought. We will seek to meet with people and listen to them, and we want to be listened to, but we will come back to you if we need assistance. Sure. We don't no. want to do that. Mm -hmm. okay. We can just be noisy citizens and bug people all day long, and you know, Bill gets made fun of, but you know, he, this guy right here, and this gal back here, and many people really make sure that things go well here. Yeah. I moved here 32 years ago. My water was delicious. It was delicious, Medfield water, mm -hmm. okay? Today, when I fill up my Brita, it smells like a pool. It, things change, I don't know. It's a well, it's whatever. That's just one tactical thing that I look at and I go, I would like that to be better. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a fence around something, I don't know. But we wanna be helpful. We hear you, we understand that. So we'll take that challenge. Thank, Thank you, you, Jeff. Thank you guys for stepping forward and undertaking this task. Our next issue is uh, action items, board and committee appointments. John C. Moon to the Dog Control Bylaw Committee. Thank you for coming, sir. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your expertise with the town. So any questions, comments? Oh, you don't have any speeches or anything, right? Okay. okay. Nope. I read your background. It looked pretty good to me, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, as a select board member liaison, I'm thrilled to have you on board. So uh, the more the merrier. So thank I, I'm you. delighted to. So do we have a motion? Uh, motion to, uh, to add John C. Moon to the Dog Control Bylaw Committee. Second. Or to a point, I should say. Second. All in favor? Aye. Yes. Uh, next, we have a request. Thank you for serving, sir. Um, request that the select board find the project proposed by Trinity Financial LLC meets the affordability requirements under the Medfield Zoning Bylaw 300-20.10.C. Chris, do you want to? Well, this is pretty straightforward, right? Yes, Lisa's reviewed the application and has deemed that it uh, meets the requirements for you um, as the advisory board and also uh, the Affordable Housing Trust has a letter in your packet. They have also reviewed the submission and meets the requirements. Any questions? Uh, no, Close but I, given that Jim, Jim, Jim Nail is here, we did get the email from you and Hilly regarding this. Uh, the scope of our review is that the paperwork is adequate which it is, and so this is not an issue of trying to technically evaluate uh, what what's going on. I actually, as, a, as an aside, I think that is going to continue to you know, evolve as this goes on, so I don't think this is the be-all and end-all anyway, but uh, <coughs> so you know why we're, this is sort of an administrative paperwork completion thing for us. Eileen? No, I'm good. I, I can read the motion if you want me to read the motion. I'm, I'm good with it too, so uh, go ahead. All right, motion. I move as the administrating agency that the provisions of the application of Trinity Acquisitions LLC for site plan approval and inclusionary housing special permit under section 300-20.6.A of the town 
zoning bylaw complies with the requirements thereof, having included a housing marketing and selection plan as set forth in the bylaw and an affordable housing restriction in accordance with section 300-20.6.e and further that there will be a total of 334 rental dwellings and an aggregate of 85 or 25 percent 39 of the low excuse me 39 of the low and moderate income units shall be one bedroom units 26 of the low and moderate income units shall be two bedroom units Nine of the low and moderate income units shall be three bedroom units and 11 of the low and moderate income units shall be studio units. And further in accordance with section 300-20.6F, the marketing plan and affordable housing restriction once recorded will ensure that the requirements in subsection 1 through 1-5 will be met. Second. Is there any uh, further discussion from the board? Any questions from the audience? Uh, hearing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Um, town meeting is the next topic. Discuss, discussion and potential vote on the reduction of the quorum requirement for the annual town meeting under Chapter 22 of the Acts of 2022. I know, I know Scott is waiting to have that discussion with you, but I, I would uh, ask if we take citizens' comment first. We have a, a considerable discussion about the town meeting, and I know you guys have been waiting very patiently. <laughs> Um, so if we could take Thank citizens' you. comment. Thank you for that uh, courtesy to our it residents. It is entertaining a little bit, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Medfield State Hospital Water Tower parking lot. Matt Perillo. Thanks for coming, Matt and Jill. Hi, Matt Perillo, 44 Evergreen Way. And Jill Rodosta, 36 Long Meadow Road. Um, thank you for having us uh, have a chance to uh, share some thoughts with you. Um, there are neighbors here at the meeting tonight as well as on Zoom that are um, concerned about the parking lot uh, that will be built at the water tower parcel. Um, however, none of us, I think I can speak for the neighbors, are not trying to put a fly in the ointment on this whole project going through. Um, and secondly is we just want to present some questions in the spirit of trying to collaborate with you. We're here before you because like many of you, we sat in on multiple planning board meetings where basically they put a jurisdiction around this issue and said it's on the select board and not the planning board to iron out some of these questions. So Jill and I have tried to put together a very quick um, agenda to go over. Um, this is based somewhat on my own personal views, but also on those of my neighbors that I've listened to about a dozen, I would estimate. So okay. you want to start with some of the issues for yourself? Sure. So first off, being um, a director better to the property, I have one major issue that has to do with the water flow from the grading that was done from years ago. And I did submit a uh, um, a letter to all of you and I did have the opportunity to speak with Trinity and met Abby last night along with an engineer that was there from VHB. Um, they did say that they would be happy to walk our property however I'm not sure if it's a Trinity issue or if it's a town issue so I'm looking to find out how we collaborate so I don't feel like we're just putting all the pressure on Trinity as they've really come back with helping with this parking lot, with the fencing, and really trying to help to um, 
more or less, I guess, find solutions for our neighborhood, which we're very appreciative for having them hear us, listen to our concerns as well as yourself. Um, but being a director butter, there was work done uh, probably about 2014, and because of the grading of the property, my property ended up getting flooded along with my neighbors. So, so you've been getting flooded since 2014? No, they ended up going in and digging a trench, which is visibly there still today. So it is, and it does run along my property, but on the town property. So I'm not sure that you were aware of what that looked like. So I, I saw it when I was up at your place. Yeah. So it pretty much runs along my property line. Parallels your lot line. It does, yes. So since then, I haven't had any major issues. But going forward with this parking lot and where it's going to be developed, um, this concern about the grading and how the water will flow and just being at the planning board meeting last night, I did see a lot of the different um, things that they wanted to implement in terms of for groundwater. But it's more of, you know, this goes into how are we going to stop this from coming down the street? What are, are they going to regrade the mound that is currently there from the old water tower, which is a very high um, mound at this point? And just to try to figure out what is the best solution for this parking lot. Are we just designated it in this one area that I keep seeing on the map? Or can make a suggestion and see if this could be elongated going more south towards the TB cottage could we elongate this so we have a little bit more open green space so it doesn't definitely impact our neighborhood just some of the thoughts that we are trying to configure before this is actually signed off and that was one of the questions that I had was you know how long do we have before we make a final decision on this lot and what is it what is it going to look like so there's just some questions around that and some concerns with the grading so Jill do you want to go are you going through all of your issues at this point or um oh sorry I want to answer that so it doesn't get so late that like that we well I I guess it's it's the water runoff it's you know we both have a collaborative um, list of what we want to discuss together and as for our neighborhood um, some of the concerns not just you know <coughs> Okay, so why don't we go through it this way. Matt, why don't you give us all of your issues and then we can uh, sure. try to respond to your issues. Great. Um, so one of the concerns, uh, that, and I am speaking now for myself, but also some other neighbors, is the potential for late night noise and activity that's associated with a parking lot that's a public lot that is open 24-7. And I... Um, acknowledge that Trinity is looking into sound mitigation but I think realistically if you think about 73 or 72 cars uh, or some subset going back and forth in and out of a parking lot late at night cars car alarms are going to go off beep beep to set an alarm um, and there might be late night gatherings and things of that nature and so the thing that went off in my head when I was here to do some town business was a note noting that in this town parking lot adjacent to this building is a restriction for overnight parking. And so that's a restriction that I know isn't 24-7 every month. 
But to me, that sent a little light bulb that went off and said, okay, if the town feels it can restrict overnight parking in a public lot, which is basically surrounded by businesses, why not restrict overnight parking in a lot where it's impacting a lot of neighbors? Counter argument might be, what about the residents who live nearby that aren't gonna be able to park there? And my response there would be, let's have a sticker program, let them park there all night and just restrict the overnight parking um, for non-residents of the Medfield State Hospital area. So that's a question that we would ask is, is that a reasonable idea? And if not, we would be open to hearing what's the pushback on restricting overnight parking with an exception for residents. The next issue is um, one that I'm really more transmitting from other neighbors, which is um, the EV stations um, that are gonna be located on this lot. So again, there's no philosophical disagreement with putting electric vehicle charging stations here. It's a question of what type and how many that I think have some residents concerned. Um, one person said, you know, go take some pictures of the um, EV stations that are at the Bank of America building. Right. And so this, um, you know, hopefully you're all self-expand, so you like the dark green, you know, the, the neon green uh, that's located here. So I think one of the questions that some neighbors have been concerned about is, you know, is there a way to, you know, potentially put some type of um, analysis into not having some big, bright EV stations that, again, presumably will need to be on all night? The last question is, uh, just to echo what Jill said, which is just a process question, which is, what's the way forward on resolving or addressing these ideas and questions? And I've summarized them on this, the flip side of this handout where we basically you know, have outlined the things that we've talked about tonight. But basically I think what the neighbors and certainly I would like to know is where do we go from here? What's the next step? You know, do we need to appear before you again? Or you know, do you want us to, I don't know, do any research? I just, I'm not clear on like what happens next um, with these issues. So, okay. Thank you again for listening. And oh, absolutely. Thank you guys for coming. Those are all your issues then. Yes. And, and do any of the other neighbors have issues? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You need to use that microphone. Also identify yourself if you could, please. Yeah. Ted Carlson, 31 Long Meadow Road. Um, my basic issue is why are you taking up the space that's next to an abutter? as opposed to any place else on the property. Uh, it seems to me the, the worst possible place to put the lot. Um, and we, we, it was really originally proposed at 72 spots, and we're still at 72 spots. Granted, it went up to almost 200, but we're still at 72 spots. So I feel like we've been saying we don't want the lot there, and nothing's happened. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's my comment. Okay. Now, unrelated to that, are we ever going to talk about the intersections um, that I talked about on the, no, uh, at the zoning board, board at, the, at the ZBA meeting last night. Uh, is there a time to talk about that? Not now, but at another point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those, those will get addressed and they, they haven't, uh, they're, they're, not gonna, they're not in stone yet and they need to get worked out. There has been Trinity's presentation and nobody's, there's been no further discussion. So it needs to get worked out. And it will. 
eventually. And, and if Pete, if I understand correctly, just so you that that's a that's a fuzzy answer to your question right here. But as I understood it from last night's meeting, the ultimate decision makers on those intersections are the three of us. Yeah. So I can't tell you all the channels to get to us finally. I can tell you the final stop on the bus route is here. Can't tell you when, but it's, it's on the bus route. It's here. Yeah, and we've, um, we've, we've got opinions about what they presented last night, but you know, we, we haven't, really we haven't had a meeting <laughs> to figure it out yet. So that'll come later. Right. Yes. So Wendy Carlson, 31 Longmeadow. Um, I guess aside from eliminating the, the lot, my understanding of all the previous plans was that there would always be a green open space circle around whatever was developed. And this goes way back to when the state was going to, you know, sell the property and have it developed. They always promised a green circle. And this parking lot chokes off that circle so that you'll no longer be able to walk from the field on the eastern side, you know, from Hospital Road through the water tower field to get to the field in back of the property and around to the other side. It doesn't make sense to me to force people to walk around a parking lot onto one of the streets of the Trinity development back to the field. It should stay, there should be an open space all the way around. That's, that's my big concern, okay. whether it's people walking through, dogs walking through, the hunt club hunting through on their horses. Why are we forcing people to walk? I don't think people are gonna go up there to walk around a newly developed neighborhood like they do in the space now that's empty. It's gonna be They're gonna go up yep. to walk in yep. the open fields and the, in the woods and you need to keep it an easy pathway. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, but, but so Wendy, I'm gonna, I don't. I don't I'm going to start okay. with Chris. Okay. Do, do, do you want to address these things before the select board addresses them? Or? No, you should address them. Okay. First. Uh, Gus, do you want to address these issues that a, have been raised? I just. Well, uh, well, I was actually trying to get. I do. I will. Yes. Right, you want to go in a backward order? With start with well, Wendy's. I, only because <laughs> it was live. I, the, the only question I had, Wendy, is you can get around. I, when you say you can't get around, the only choke point is the actual northeast corner where the road is and then there's woods the, the, the proposed parking lot in the water tower field yep. would create a choke point it's not clear to me why that is because from where you're coming off a long bed or you're on a field you can just work your way up that field you'd go behind the water tower but you don't have to cross onto the is there going to be space between yeah. The cul-de-sac or the the stone wall and this parking lot because yes yeah oh yeah no. looks pretty close you probably if you're looking at the 179 or whatever 82 space you're absolutely right and i shared your concerns about that <laughs> no this is this, this is 72 it doesn't go back like that I, your point about elongating yeah so that's, that's i think an interesting question i don't know operationally i don't know why that would be impossible necessarily so and the, I think the, that's the original exploring. pictures i think back when the the town committee mm -hmm. drew it out and even trinity used it in their original proposal it was longer and, and narrower than yeah the latest so I, I think that's it's a legitimate deeper, question to be like, asking you sure. know yeah. eight rows deep as opposed to two rows yeah. deep 
Yeah. Yeah. Right I mean, along that, the that road. was one of my initial reactions to uh, someone told me along the way that the people that live across from Jill on the other side of the circle might object because it's all of a sudden closer to their house. Um, but I don't know. Um, well, if I think something we heard from our, if I think I can say this, that like the, right now we're still seeing <coughs> the concept. When they get up there, like something we've asked for is to literally get a feel for where are all the markers going to be, right? Because we need to get to our heads wrapped around exactly where are the boundaries going to be. And then where the, where the parking lot is today is where it is today. It, when they get out there and they start inspecting it, they may shift it in different directions. So, where you, so I can tell you unequivocally, they're not looking to get closer to you guys. They're trying to move it further away. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, you asked a question, Jill, which I think I don't want to, to get swept under the rug. Sure. You coming here tonight is imperative because you've now brought the concern that you experienced in 2014. We're now aware of that. Um, I thought it was great last night. You had a chance to talk to Abby. They introduced you to the engineer. So you've done what you can do at this stage. And we are going, Trinity's going through the permitting process. Okay. So the permitting process is going to give them the ability to start to get out there and do things, but as they move along, we're going to continue to get more information back. We can continue to share the information. But what you see today, and you guys can tell me I'm saying this the wrong way, but it's almost like it's in light number two pencil. Like We did agree at the town meeting what the LDA represented, and when they came back with 189, that was horrible. Right? So we pulled back and said, wait a minute, this is what we signed. Like There is a uh, land disposition agreement that is a contract that we've signed. That we voted almost unanimously at the town meeting. So that right there is good. Does that lot stay exactly where it is? Or to your point, could they make it skinnier? Could they, they're going to know more when they get out there and they literally start walking the land, seeing what's out there. Um, but you know, we're not going to be asking them to get it closer to you. We're going to get it you know, further away. Right. And that's why I felt if we did elongate it going more towards the cottage, maybe that would give us more of a setback from the cul-de-sac. Absolutely it would, yeah. It, to me it makes a lot of sense. green space that we still have that historic view that we've all had. And I think it's great that last night they made a comment that like they're not going to do a slotted fence where mm -hmm. noise will get through, that they're going to build a quality fence that will make sure that it d will act as a sound buffer and that it will help with light. Um, so I, I, I know that they've picked up on the sensitivity. Yeah. I was happy that you were able to share with them your experience when the, the water tower got torn down and the new one was built. Uh, gives them sensitivity to the flow of the water. Um, certainly any time you move dirt, you're going to redirect water in different ways. And I, last night you could tell that they're very sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what you've done is, is good. Um, I think that they've made you aware, they've, you've made them aware of it. And now we can go through the process um, to get to the next level. Any other uh, issues that you wanted to respond to amongst the various no, I mean, ones? I think what you, I, like this, this is behind the Bank of America. Yes, um, that is. I mean, I, is, is this image going to be shared so they, I mean, there are so many ways to do EV stations, but to have that close to a neighborhood would. Yeah, no, that's a non-starter. That, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine they would do that, yeah. though, because you've got uh, people living there. Um, so I have to go look and see. We just put them in back here at the town hall, and I have to go okay. see our Yeah, let's hope those are not the bright neon green ones, because they're not. So anything else? The ones behind the town hall glow, I've just never seen the glow. I'm trying to think of all the, did, did, did we address, did we at least acknowledge what you've brought up thus far? Yes, and I, the I have last some comments to come back to you. Yes. Yeah, I just want to make sure I, that, I, that, I, that I didn't skip over mm -hmm. anything. And then what you brought up, Matt? Overnight parking restriction except for residents. Would love to hear your perspectives on that. Yeah, I'll give mine if you want. I, at this stage, so 
The way I view that is it's, oper it's an operational issue. And, to, and you've sort of called out some of this. The real concern I would have around a blanket overnight uh, re uh, re restriction would be people who live there are going to want to park there. Mm -hmm. And then we're putting EV stations in. And I, I actually don't want people to say, hey, let's stop at 10 o'clock in the morning and leave our car plugged in for five hours. I'd ra I imagine the people that would use that would be the residents who want to use the charging station and want to use it overnight. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, at this stage, I'm skeptical that you're going to get as much noise from the state hospital as you're getting right now, because I can hear it on Harding Street. You won't have people gunning their motorcycles up and down those access roads, and I actually think it's going to be quieter. So I'm skeptical of the kinds of parties you're worried about parking themselves right next to the water tower. But so it, that kind of an operational decision for us is something that comes downstream. It's not around this early stage design. If it turned out it was a problem, I'd be happy to explore ways to address that problem. I'm skeptical it really will turn out to be a problem because right now, I think it's the worst problem that it's going to be when there's a bunch of people living there that aren't going to put up with the racket because uh, they're living there too. But I, I'm, pre I'm prepared to be proven wrong, and if I am, I'm prepared to take action. Well, I like your sticker idea. I mean, if, they, if there are residence stickers, then that's a residence car. That makes sense. Yeah, the only tricky part about that, two parts. Number one, it's a public lot. So, but so we, according to Mark, we actually can't, the reason it's a public lot isn't because we want it to be one, it's because we can't restrict on, on our town property, we can't restrict it. So then it's like, okay, and who's the parking, you know, who's, who's the meter maid that's checking out the stickers? So you get into an enforcement issue as we do in many places in this town. So that's the only part that I worry about. So the only thing I'd want to ask our, our police department is, because um, I've seen this in different places where family members have lived, where a parking lot like that, somebody just dump, dumps their car up there and they drive away and it's left That's there. A different no, I, That's I, a I just want to weigh in a little bit. We do allow overnight parking um, in this back parking lot. We have residents who don't have parking who live on the Jeans Avenue apartments, so they do actually, we allow them to overnight. We just ask that in the winter months they park on their perimeter. We're so talking about this plow. lot here with the blue signs? Yes. That says no overnight parking, you allow residents to park We, there. we have had two residents been, who right. Right so yeah, it does have a date uh, on it though. You know, if it's the winter months or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I, I think but where I was. I, I just didn't want anybody to think we restricted it. Sorry, <laughs> I just didn't want. Well, okay, but I think we're going to have 700 people right living in this space, and chances are there's going to need to be some way of managing um, who can park where. And I think what I'm suggesting, Gus, is that having, uh, having an overnight parking restriction, even if it's not actively enforced, would give public safety officials and or residents some leverage to say, okay, we've had enough of this, can you please ask them to leave? And then they will have been empowered with a regulation to then say, you can't stay here all night unless you're a resident. So I was thinking of it more as not necessarily having it be aggressively enforced, but having it in place to protect those cases where you would want to it becomes something. egregious for whatever that reason yeah. and my only point was i would cross that bridge when we get to that bridge i don't right. want to say yeah. that bridge has got a gate on it now. yeah and i'm like eileen i i think it sounds like a like a good idea but mm -hmm. i don't have any idea at this point how it's going to okay. operate okay. so 
can I make a couple of comments? Let me, you're done. So I'm going to go next and then we'll go to you, Bill, okay? Thank you. So in terms of your first question, which is the water flow and the murkiness of who to deal with, it is a murky area because the town owns the land. Trinity has agreed to build the parking lot so that you're, there are two entities that need to be dealt with. Three, um, yeah. Let me just peep, let me interrupt. Let me, let me go through this my stuff, Bill, and then though. you can go, okay? Um, we've talked about the shape of the parking lot, uh, and then Matt, we've talked about the open 24-7 and the uh, overnight, the EV charging, I think we've addressed that. Yeah. Process going forward, um, it's, and, and, and so, and Chris, maybe I'll ask you to, to, to actually weigh in on this one, because what I understand is that there's going to be plenty of time to address this down the road. Um, and that it's the way that zoning seems to work is that is that the planning board's going to endorse this in sort of a general way, but a lot of the details are going to get worked out over time and go back to the planning board. Yes, and the LDA lays out where the parking lot is going as we discussed earlier. The selectman's decision on what can happen and not happen at the parking lot won't be done until after um, after their decision, the planning board's decision is made. It's a completely separate process and you're still reviewing that. So basically we got to keep track of what's happening at the planning board and at some point there's going to be a we're done, we're presenting it to you all. Yeah, and that's it, when we're, we're the decision makers on the parking on the okay. on the parking on the water tower. Um, let's see why there because it 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 was on the it was on the plan that was approved at town meeting I think is the answer to that um, and it's needed. Um, uh, and it's needed mainly by Bellforge um, so uh, and and the residents. Um, Eliminating the lot, Wendy. I don't, you know, I don't think that's feasible because there is parking. Um, so, um, and <clears throat> so now I'll go to Bill. All right, so, just, just a couple of things, and mostly some background of a couple of the items that um, that Jill brought up. Um, I've talked to Mo about the swale, the water issues, and about the mound there, and I've suggested that he meet with Jill. He's agreed that he will go up there. I, I thought it would be to our advantage to get that done before Trinity shows up. And instead of having a joint meeting, let's, let's us decide first who's responsible for what, who did what, what's a possible solution. Um, and I just learned this myself. Now I have, I took videos when they took down the water tower. I have videos of the whole destruction of the old tower. Uh, and one of the things I knew about but didn't realize when Jill was talking about the mound there and everything else is they never took down the cement base. Right. I mean, it's, it's probably, I mean, I, I walked the whole base. I mean, I picked up rivets and gave rivets to the Board of Water and Sewer after the, uh, the, the job was done so they would have a souvenir or a reminiscence of the, Pete knows I gave Pete a plate from the, uh, from the steel plate from the side of the old water tower. Yeah, I picked up rivets too. I, I so it, so, but it's but amazingly heavy how, how that water tower was made out of very thick metal. That, that platform was probably above ground, about two and a half to three feet above ground. It was the diameter of the old water tower. Uh, and who knows how far into the ground it went. Let's face it, it was holding up a million, a million and a half gallons of water. Uh, for, for, I think for financial reasons, the decision was made to leave it there and to cover it up rather than to try to take it down. And I believe that one of the uh, the, the 
the subcontractors that was in charge of the demolition went in with a hydraulic hammer trying to break it up and they had a heck of a job so they basically said you you we can't do it for what's in our contract you know it's a ton of money and I think the town probably decided not to, I'm just assuming that the town decided not to spend the money to take it down now I don't know where that sits in relation to where the 72 lot is proposed whether it's possibly where Trinity wants to put it so one of the suggestions about elongating it this is something that could be resolved with with a walk through the property mm -hmm. with Mo and then with a walk through with Trinity deciding can we push it down further away from the cement base uh, the other issue is you know uh, Eileen you and I talked about this down by the TB cottage the way the road tower road comes up and joins the road comes in at an angle mm -hmm. I mean it could easily be moved and create another you know maybe 100 square feet or 200 square feet any advantage that can be saved moving it further away from the abutters you know I think is is worth looking at and you know I've also suggested that they take down to help Jean get some of her parking on the core campus to take down the uh, greenhouse headhouse which is a complete and utter disaster sitting there in the middle. Yeah, it's about 1,200 square feet there. That would be a great place to put parking, too. All I'm too. looking for, from the, that I would be looking for, for the neighbors and for myself, <coughs> from the selectmen, uh, excuse me, from the select board, is uh, an agreement that you at least will, we will continue to have these kinds of discussions with Trinity about trying to move the, move the lot and, and trying to squeeze a few more spaces out without impacting their permeability issues or anything else. And, I and think when, you, when you say move the lot, just make sure nobody listens to this recording. Um, it's still going to be in the general vicinity. Just, I mean, even a, a I, I understand where the Carlsons are coming from. I also, you know, that I'm well aware of what was in the master plan. Uh, I was not crazy about putting the parking up there in the first place in the master plan. I thought it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a particularly good use, but I did recognize that there was always a, a parking shortage on the core campus and they had to do something something about it. And some people may not know this, I didn't know this until I learned more from Trinity, but the, there are limitations set by the historic commission as to if they're going to get the tax credits, why we can't have more parking more in the, in the middle of the quad. So that is one reason why that parking area had to be designated where it was because we couldn't take more of the, uh, the center green. Yeah, so, and, I, and I suspect that one of the, the fact that they're taking down building 27A, which is like 90, 91,000 square feet, so when it looks like a high school cafeteria from the 50s, uh, is that's going to give them some of the open space that they needed to meet the permeability uh, requirements, uh, you know, impervious versus pervious surface there. Yes, you can see they're going to use some of it, but they're, I yes. was quickly told, like, there's a reason why they're not doing it, there and is. if they want to get the tax credits by the historic parks, they're, they're trying to follow that. So that's... But the greenhouse is paved already. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That... I mean, so that's, I mean, it's... And if you look at their parking, it goes right up to the edge where the, where the ruin of the greenhouse is. And they haven't, you know, you get at least two See, more. See, I think, Bill, I think those are some of the things they're going to come across that they, they, like, you know, they found the paint building, right? So this, I think there's things they're going to come across and say, can we level it? And, and if we can, uh, and, and it gives them more uh, parking. So I think we got a good answer last night on the, and Gus and I, we talked briefly about it at, at the end of the meeting. So we got a good answer there. It's on our land. And it's our choice what to do. And all we have to do basically is to satisfy Trinity that it's, they're not going to be standing, their residents aren't going to be walking into the building or climbing in through the hole in the roof. So those things need to be resolved. There's no need to, t to touch it at the moment. 
and just to preserve the safety and, and so it's not a, uh, a what's the well, the thing that I heard that I liked the best was they would like it to be gone, and and I don't especially care about it myself. And no, so I would assume that if we can get rid of it, but if it we can like get them to pay to get it gone, then I would endorse that. Yeah, I don't that. think they're willing to do that. I th yeah, I don't think they are either. I think Gabby mentioned something about a million dollars, and it didn't sound like she was the one that wanted. To yeah, and that. I don't. And that's probably an unrealistic price. To it. So, no. I mean, but at the, there was no need to take it down at the moment. I mean, uh, and yep. I was more concerned about what's the land worth that it's sitting on. Oh, really? Uh, you know, I fought to get the delineation at the back of the property to get it identified. Uh, not because I was trying to keep them from getting what they needed, but just to make sure the town got what the town needed to get out of it as well. Um, I, I would point out that um, I would definitely argue against solar panels mm. on the, in the parking lot. Um, Trinity, Trinity would be, I think, thrilled. Mass Historic would be thrilled not to have them on the grounds on the parking lot that, that's in the core campus. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would be fair to the neighbors to have parking canopies on their side so they get the chance to look at the parking canopies. Right. So I would ask the, the board to please you know, consider that. Okay. Uh, and you know I've argued against making the, an overlay district to, uh, the, the Medfield Hospital yep. District part of the photovoltaic overlay. You know, Bill, I've Bill you don't have an objection to Trinity's plans about the flat. There were certain buildings there. I have no issues. There. I have no issues. And John, in fact, John Thompson and I talked about this as well. We have no issues with the uh, with the two. It's about basically two buildings. I mean, it's the R building, which you know nobody's going to see the roof, and it's the uh, the safety building, and nobody basically can see that. The people who see what's on the uh, on the safety building are the people who are already living in the core campus. And if Trinity doesn't have a problem with that, I don't have a problem with that. I wanted to say that um, security uh, has, I've asked the question in, in some of my comments about who's responsible for what in terms of the parking lot, who's responsible for the security in the parking lot. I've asked Trinity that question and everything else. I haven't heard an answer. You're talking about the water tower parking lot yeah. in particular? Yeah. Okay. And you know, so ultimately, I think that you're going to have to answer the resolve. Who's Thank you. we own the streets in general, except for a couple of streets in the middle of the core campus. So you're going to be policing those streets. Are you going to be policing the parking lot? Who's got responsibility for that? So that mm -hmm. so that's a major issue. Um, yeah, the other issue on that one is they're planning to put the charging stations there. So it's on our property. Is it their charging stations? And then how does the electricity get? Do they charge? They, I assume they'll charge for electricity, but it's kind of, that one occurred to me. It's actually on a town, it's a town lot, it's a public lot, it's <laughs> on their property. They're putting the EV charging stations in. So who owns them? Well, that's that something we have to worry about right now. That's, right now. Right. Right. I think that's, that's something that's going to be defined by procurement, and yeah. Frank and I are on top so, of that. Um, okay. And I think that's more of an gonna, issue. I'm going to give the mic back over here in a second, yeah. We're going to go next to the back of the room. The hand was raised. Frank, can you, can you uh, before we hear from her, Michael Pettit has raised his hand in the uh, Zoom crowd. Can you let him speak in a moment after this? Just one quick question. So when Wendy yeah, Can said, you identify yourself, please? Susan Collins, 22 Longmeadow. Thank you. Um, when Wendy said, why does a lot have to be there? And he said, well, that's where it's going to be. Has anybody looked across Hospital Road? There's that big empty field on top of the sledding hill. Why isn't any parking going there? There's an issue um, that uh, uh, Belforge would say to you, which is that they need parking near their facility. I've walked blocks and blocks and blocks to go to a play. Yep. 
I think there's more reasons than that. Um, the, the land south of Hospital Road is not part of this development at all. We have a limited number of acres that we're allowed to develop south of Hospital Road. Putting it on the, on the sledding hill, I can guarantee you, will get a whole bunch of people in this well, town I mean, upset. The part, not well, but that's, I mean, but question, my point is, I don't think it's in the best financial interest of the town to take the 12 allowable acres that can be developed and use them for a parking lot. I think what we're going to look at trying to do at, the, at a point in the future is to see what we have for options to develop that land to, in a way that will be economically advantageous to us. So the idea of putting a lot way down there and using up acres of developable land is not in the best interest of the town. We have right now the configuration of the lot, of the lots that are there, seem to be adequate to meet both the residents and the public parking requirements. Uh, there might be a little on the, on the Belforge side for major events that we might have to figure out some alternative ways that we could use temporary parking. And we've had some good, uh, good discussions around that about parking on the side of the road on the, if you come up from the Stone Gate. It's our property. It's got nothing to do with Trinity, but for large events that are basically people coming in for that event and then they leave, I think it makes some good sense to allow parking to be on either, rather than looking to jam more parking in on the campus itself, allow parking on both sides of that road. It's easier for the police to, to kind of monitor. It's actually more straightforward, the people coming in and going out. And we don't create a parking lot that we don't need most of the time. Right. We just use that. So I don't, I, I pushed back and said, no, not South Possible Road, but I don't even know that that's really something that's necessary. So. So, we, are you all set? We've got online uh, Michael Petit. Do you want to ask your question, Mr. Petit? Michael, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Any other questions, comments? Yes, sir. Uh, Matt Holm. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't people at home hear you. At one of the earlier meetings with Trinity, they said that they didn't include that lot in any of their counts for, for traffic, for, for parking for their units. So it seems like that public lot is, is purely allocated for, for Bell Forge. So I guess, Back to Matt's earlier comment. Are you talking about the one by the water tower? Yeah, they said that they didn't need that. They didn't include that in any of their their metrics for the number of spaces they needed. So I'm confused at why there would need to be overnight parking there, what, what the need is. Yeah, the issue, I think the issue is that they, for a design, they designated parking lot, parking spaces for all the residents. Uh, in, I'm not sure if it's the same meeting you're thinking about, but Abby mentioned 
we've designated because of the controversy around the lots they said fine we're pulling all of our resident parking out of that parking lot and we've des designated spots elsewhere on the campus for the people who are in those buildings on the east side that would be the equivalent of us telling you you can't park on Longmeadow and you can't park in your driveway you have to walk and park your car at the water tower parking lot so they did designate in order to basically get out of any controversies around that lot they basically oh we're going to redesignate spots a couple hundred yards away from people on that east side where they live and then abby went on to say and then if the residents choose to park in the public lot rather than in their designated spaces well it's a public lot so it wasn't that oh we don't need those it was that they were i think i think i'm not sure I think they were getting frustrated with the kind of conversations they were getting and said, fine, we'll just pull all the resident parking out of that lot and we'll put it somewhere else. And then if the residents decide they want to park close to where they live, they'll use the public lot. That was, that was the meeting I was at, was effectively what was said. There's also for trail users and anything else to residents of Medfield. Yeah, there, I mean. They, they, they've cut back, I think, on the amount of parking where people that currently now go to go on the north field, they go around over on the Overlook side, and then there's that big lot and they park there. That lot's not going to be as big and there's not going to be as much public parking there. But then they put never, the parking up in the northeast corner by the R building. Uh, and so this is just another place that people can park. Uh, but I think it's daytime parking. I don't think people, you know, I don't think they're going to go up there to party at party hardy in the parking no I, I just i feel for for jill and matt because from where their house is that's basically 72 new neighbors every door that shuts they're going to hear like it's not it's not a party well i think though last night i mean so that's not falling on deaf ears with trinity and the and the quality of fence and the design of the fence has actually been discussed with an engineer to try to have that that sound barrier sound buffer um, and I mean, they, they're taking that seriously. So I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see 72 cars in an overnight situation there. I could potentially see 15 to 20, but I, you know, people are gonna be lazy. They're gonna park closer to the buildings, not to the far end of the parking lot. So that should uh, buffer that to a certain extent. Anything else, guys? Rich yes, Collins, um, 22 Long Meadow Road. I'm kind of wondering, you, you kind of touched, Eileen, on the fencing, like it's going to be a buffer or soundproof, and you quickly mentioned about the lighting. It's, for a public lot like this, is it like 20, it, does it have to be on, are they on all night, like security-wise? Do we know anything about that? I actually don't know that. I do know that they're passionate about this design so the light shines down, so you won't get that. Down light, yeah. Yeah, okay. and, it, and it's all, I mean, it'll certainly be LED. Yeah. Um, but those those details we will get closer to when we get to that. Now they've picked out the poles and the placement. Uh, and, you, and I and I can tell you, just having met with them and listen, they're very concerned. They understand their butters. They're trying to do everything they can, and that's why again, look at the lot today, but know that it, if in an ideal world they're going to pull it closer and further down, um, not closer to you guys. Any, anybody installing lights today knows that you have to comply with the dark skies and you can't be shining at the neighbors. Yeah, and I know it's not like when Hollywood's filming up there. We could look at nighttime and see the glow like it was daytime up there. I know it's nothing like that, but I just figure that if it is closer that yeah. I know we Appreciate keep bringing that. up Jill that she doesn't want to see a glow of lights right. at all, right. you know. It was one of the conditional approvals last night, so it was yeah. like open yeah. 
Yeah. Right. The planning board said they hadn't seen that and they expected to see it. Wendy, Wendy, go ahead. So one of my concerns is when we keep saying those are decisions that are going to be made later down the road. When I was voting at town meeting to go ahead and sell this land to Trinity, I didn't think I was buying into a parking lot in that field. I know it was part of the plan, but I'm hearing it has to remain part of the plan because it was in that it document mm -hmm. yeah. and now if the planning board agrees to the trinity plan and they decide to put up you know i know this is um, probably not gonna but 30 foot you know poles that are shining lights all over the place we have no way to turn back you know when 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 i hear those details will be decided later at what point it seems like we've already gone beyond a point where we have a say in what happens or doesn't happen in that water tower field. There is going to be a parking lot. Like, there's no consideration to not have one there. So, it, I did vote against the zoning. But, but, but when we talk about like, we don't want people to be married to the final plan is sitting in front of us right now. They're going to continue to tweak it. They haven't, I mean, when Bill, when you sent that document about the foundation that's there, I don't know if they know that's there. So if they start, and I think there's so, certain areas so that they can't touch because of the way the pipes run to the ground. So there are some limitations um, as to where they can dig because there are town pipes that are associated with the water tower. Yeah. So if they find something up there that actually forces them to make the 72 spots deeper and closer to our neighborhood because there's pipes or there's a foundation, then what's our... I, I think that's a different discussion that we would have to have with Trinity, because it's our land. That's, right? that's, they, my, it's, that's my yeah. concern, is that we're, we're going down this road and they're gonna get approval and then to, we end up with a worse the, situation than what we're talking about right your, now. I mean, your, your issues about the parking lot end here. You need to talk to the select board. Okay. So we're the ones that are going to make the decisions. Yeah, I don't know if this helps, Wendy, but, I mean, there's one piece of this that says, well, this thing, these things are in the plan, uh, and it's not unusual for people to do. We have people that come to us and say, well, when I bought my house, I didn't know about this easement. It's like, that's the plan. That's how it was. It's not our, you know, that we can't change. On the other hand, to your question, I, I hope what you're seeing here tonight, and I, th I hope what you're actually seeing from Trinity, what you've seen, I think, Eileen, you've sort of been active uh, with the Longmeadow group. The fact that you can't mandate, get rid of the parking lot, I don't like it, and I just found that out four years after it got approved, that's probably not feasible. But your issues, your concerns, they're legitimate to be voiced throughout this whole process until we finally, you know, turn the key on the place and Trinity goes away with all its equipment. So, A, it doesn't mean you can't let your issues be known throughout this entire process. I am impressed with what I've seen so far with how hard Trinity's tried to accommodate some things I would have thought they would have just blown us off about. Instead, they've tried. Uh, the three of us, we can't work magic necessarily, but I think you'll always hear 
I think we'll listen to you. Can't always give you what you want, but you you always have a platform, and it's not just us. I think the planning board's done it. Mm -hmm. uh, when the ZBA gets involved in this, when we get into further into permitting, I think the ZBA will listen. Yeah, you got to work it. Uh, you may not get everything you want, but I would particularly not want you to think, oh, the town's not going to listen to anything. Uh, what's the point? I think there is a point. I uh, can't promise you to get exactly what you want, but th those views, I believe, you can count on will be taken into account. So uh, online, Patrick asked, because the parking lot is mentioned in the LDA, that means there will be some sort of parking lot in the tower lot area. Is that correct? Um, yes, that is correct. Anything else? Thank you guys for Thank coming. You. Thank you. Thank you guys. We look forward to working with you. And my EV chargers don't glow. I checked. <laughs> there is hope for that. Get in the agenda. Did you get one? I got one. Yeah, somewhere Thank in here. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Nice meeting you in person. <laughs> so our next, uh, let's see, discussion of potential vote on the reduction of the quorum meeting of the annual town meeting under Chapter 22 of the Acts of 2022. Chris, is this you? Uh, this is actually a select board discussion with the town moderator. Here comes Scott. Mr. Moderator, thank you for coming. <coughs> Thanks for bearing with us, Scott. So I can uh, start the discussion for you. So um, in 2020, there was a reduction in quorum. Um, we actually reduced down to 25. You were allowed to reduce to the 10%. So we did do that in 2020. Um, we did not do that in uh, 21. And as you all know, in 22, uh, we failed to achieve quorum at our first night of town meeting and had to postpone for a week. Um, based on that discussion, based on that occurrence when we came to the special town meeting we did reduce the quorum uh, on june 21st of 2022 to 150. so given that the governor had extended the legislation uh, to allow a reduction in quorum i thought it was appropriate for the board of selectmen to have a discussion about that um, if nothing but to generate discussion about town meeting so. <laughs> Close. do you want to have a town meeting again this year yeah. oh my god <laughs> No, Every year. How many town meetings do you want to have? <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any uh, wisdom for us on this issue? Or? I don't actually have thought about it. And I, I, uh, I really need a mic uh, either come up here or get the one from Bill. You have to fight him for it. Well, we don't know. <laughs> Mike can tell us. It doesn't amplify. It just okay. can you tell us, Mike, or not? Can I talk to you? Keep talking. Okay, keep Say talking. <laughs> yep. You're good. Uh, good. Okay. So the answer is I don't, I don't have any. I don't have any 
particular wisdom that the chart helps to sketch. I mean, I guess the first point is I think that we'd all like to just be able to ensure that we get a quorum of 250 people to come and to do it without having to uh, use the state uh, statute in order to be able to reduce the quorum. So when I kind of made, you know, my my list of kind of yeses and noes on, on, the, on the list, it, it came out to me, I, you know, I, I think it's in terms of driving people to the town meeting, I'm not sure it's... Uh, completely cons consequential. I think either decision would be kind of reasonable and appropriate, you know, e either way. Um, we know that, that, you know, that we have a very high quorum. And today I did, you know, a sample just to kind of reaffirm that. And I couldn't come up with another town that had a quorum of 250. But, you know, Westwood is 175. The other big ones are like Westford and Clinton, big towns. And, um, and then, uh, you know, Wayland is 100. Uh, and a lot of towns, Lakeville, 100, and so forth. So, you know, the idea of our, our quorum, I, I, don't, I wasn't around. I'd like to talk to Richard about what the, uh, you know, at the time that they decided to go with that quorum that is, you know, is high relative to other towns. Hopkinton has 1% of their registered voters, which is uh, the way that some towns do it. But, and interestingly, towns like uh, Groton and Yarmouth, I mean, they have, they have a quorum of zero. So there was a movement to go to a quorum of zero. The moderator shows up and the town clerk, you can have the meeting. And, and uh, by anecdote, at, at the Mass Moderators Association, those meetings tend to, that, that tends to actually increase town meeting. Uh, attendance by having these uh, smaller quorums. So you have two ways of getting there. You know, one is to set it high and to know that you can't uh, conduct business unless you get above that threshold, and the other is to set it low and let everybody in town worry that a very small majority might take, uh, you know, serious and important steps, and therefore it draws people out. Uh, this year, you know, unlike last year, we do have, we have a little bit more um, substance to the articles. We had a very I would say, uh, I think there were only 22 articles when we, and so we didn't have the draw that might come from a lot of different places for articles. So um, I guess so, if, you, if you're looking for me to, I believe we will attract 250 people this time. <laughs> Uh, and I think that uh, there's efforts underway and they would need to continue and we need to, yeah, I think, be a little bit more aggressive than maybe we've done and getting the signs out at the transfer station earlier and, and downtown and, and get to every constituency. And I think that we would get there. The numbers kind of bear that out if we go back to, uh, you know, to some of the numbers. We, we squeezed it out one year, but for the most years we've been comfortable. On the other hand, I, I said that there's a certain benefit to, to an assurance that the town meeting will happen on mm -hmm. May 1st. And particularly with these articles, with the preparation that's gone into it, that's a big one. The cost of the event, uh, in terms of the, the setup and the people that we need to have be there, who are required to be there, that's a cost. Um, as I said, lower quorums have not been shown to generate lower numbers of attendees, and in fact, in some instances, higher. Uh, they can actually drive greater attendance. Uh, you know, I'm a process person generally, and this doesn't really offend me if we were to reduce it. Uh, I don't think it's really kind of a drastic. I don't buy any notions of, uh, you know, kind of undermining institutions or there being any kind of a conspiracy theory around, uh, you know, why would we, do, we would do that. We do it for the reasons that we're talking about. So I think in some ways it is a pragmatic decision. I worry just of one last comment is that we, we, we are going to have to look at that we come out of this because I think that uh, 
you know, there's a lot going on in terms of civic engagement, and, and, uh, and COVID seemed to have accelerated some phenomenon. And I keep thinking that maybe uh, that we're going to get a bounce back. And, uh, you know, that's what will be the question. Will we bounce mm -hmm. back to the same levels of civic uh, engagement and, and volunteership? Or are we talking about something that was accelerated as a matter of a trend that's not going to, you know, bring us back to, you know, what we had come to expect before? So, well, I guess, you know, the, a friend of mine used to say you know, he wanted to find a one-armed lawyer because uh, his lawyer always says on the other hand. So uh, <laughs> in this case, I, I don't. I don't have strong feelings. Uh, I do have strong feelings about attracting more than 250 people and, and doing what we need to do in the next three weeks to try to have that done. This is my uniform. You may have seen my video, so I've got my... Uh, <laughs> the video is very good. I'm going to keep doing those. And in fact, Steve and uh, Callahan, and th that video is getting ready to be shot next week, I think, mm -hmm. so that's going to be good that we'll be on the town finances, and that'll be circulated. So anything we can do to get it out there. Do you guys have... Uh, Thinking of start? I, I, yeah, I probably uh, like Scott, not super hard up on one way or the other, and where my head comes out for this year is sort of like leaving a letting a sleeping dog lie. So we did 150 last year, but as you were talking, Scott, I was I was sitting there thinking, well, the irony here is that if you have compelling articles, then you're sure you're going to pull people in. Then you don't need a quorum because you know they're going to come. If you go to zero quorum i don't like that because even though it's unlikely that you would ever have a small number of people show up and nobody else shows up and all of a sudden there's the dictatorship of a small 30 person quorum uh, that doesn't seem right so where my head has gone is i kind of would like a quorum that doesn't have us sweating whether we have a quorum or not at the start of the town meeting and i look at these numbers of actual attendance and except for the the uh, 2020 when we had a reduced quorum of 25 and we got less than 150 we've never gotten less than 150 so I'm kind of saying I kind of like 150 because on one hand we've never gotten less than that under normal circumstances so it's reasonable we don't have to sweat it out to see when we can start the meeting and on the other hand if you only had 150 people and they were the ones who voted on the articles, you wouldn't be able to say, oh, there was just a little small cabal that came in. It's 150 people is a lot of people. Uh, and, and so I kind of like that number, but I have to admit part of the reason I like it is because that's what we did last time and it worked. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of where I come out, but I'm pretty easy on this one. Okay, Eileen. I, uh, so one of the things I, that does concern me, Scott, is we've had significant turnover in this town. I mean, how many homes have been up for sale in the last 24 months? So we have a lot of new residents. And so it concerns me that a lot of the people that have lived here for 20, 30 years have sold their home. It's great that we have a lot of younger families coming in. I just don't know if they appreciate how this works. So I, I'm, what I'm getting at is I, I'm not opposed to 150, and then with your um, videos, more information going out, it'd be fantastic if we get three, four, five hundred people. But my worst nightmare is we're in a situation where this transition's going on. They don't, I mean, you look at, and Christine, you'll know this number better than my, myself, but the, our town election was not that well attended. I think the final tally was 565. Right, and, and so that's all day. You can come between six in the morning and eight at night and we got a, a rather soft showing. Um, I'll admit there weren't a lot of signs out because there was no major contested vote, but 
it concerns me that, it, to your point a few moments ago about the money we're going to spend, the time, the energy, if we're sitting there, like last year, what did we get? We peaked at about 234, but by that time, some of those people had left, so we kind of hung around 190 or whatever. So to me, it's like it, 150 is a, is, a, is a solid number. I hope we laugh at it like we did for the, for the special town meeting. We dropped it and we got eight or 900. So I, I just think it, the times are changing and we have a lot of dual income families where the, the parents might not be, as much as they may want to attend, they can't. So we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves when we know the demographics, demographics could change some. So I don't want to set us up for failure by hoping that we get a bigger number that may be hard. Uh, Mark, go ahead. There's also the flip side, which is once the meeting's going, uh, if you've got a very high quorum number and people start to drift out, and then Someone at some point it. somebody calls the quorum on you. Yep. It's only happened, I only remember it once ever happening, and the moderator at the time was successful in convincing them not to, not to pursue it. But if somebody's adamant about it, uh, his hands are tied. So. Yep. So I think that it sounds like, because uh, I was going to come in around 152, so it sounds like there's a lot of agreement up here around the 150 number. Chris, do you have an opinion to share or not? Or So I, I mean, I have been talking at length with Scott about this. I don't like lowering the quorum. That's our, our threshold for voting. But I also understand that there are people who still don't feel comfortable coming out. We are meeting in the gymnasium, so I recognize that. And I think the most important thing to stress is that we're not limiting it to 150. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I, I want a thousand yeah. people there. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, you might not all get a warrant report, but I would love a thousand people there. I just I don't want it to be discouraging. We've had a person who's been commenting on our social media campaign for a town <coughs> meeting and a person who's commenting saying, you know, you're wrecking everything you're re by reducing the quorum and you're not you know, promoting town meeting. No, no, we're actually promoting town meeting. You're commenting on our posts about promoting town meeting, so that's great. Um, we're not wrecking it. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're allowing some grace to people during this time period, but I, I don't like it overall. I, I don't like any reduction in sort of civic responsibility. Well, it's uh, interesting. It's instructive to me to hear that, that we're high compared to other towns, so that 150 seems eminently reasonable absolutely. compared to our, our colleagues. That is the standard of And I think yeah, that I am intrigued about the reverse quorum that you limit it to the first 150, <laughs> so only the most committed voters <laughs> <laughs> actually show up. The first 150 get two votes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can steal a vote. We had after, that after 150, we locked the doors. <laughs> we had that happen inadvertently. <laughs> Some miscommunication, and they, it, it was, uh, it was the three school project. So it was a huge turnout, and they were concerned when to start the meeting. So they decided to put Detective Norton in the line at the time the meeting was supposed to start. Whenever he checked in, then it would be okay because that meant anyone who got there on time yep. is in. Yeah. So they, the moderator started the meeting in the interim. Uh, somebody advised the checkers that nobody else was permitted to enter town meeting, and that went on. People were turned away for a considerable period of time. <laughs> Wow. I promise you we won't turn anybody away. <laughs> when the Homequist land was being bought, Deb and I were still in line waiting to get in when all of a sudden everybody started walking out. <laughs> so, and, and there was this year that the, the town up in New Hampshire where the, the uh, so few people showed up that the, uh, 
the people cut the school budget in half. <laughs> And that created some issues for that town until I could have another town meeting to put it back to where it had been. So uh, do we need a vote then on this? Or If you are if you're going to vote to reduce the quorum, you have to have, have a motion? Uh, the moderator has to agree um, before you take that vote. Oh, are you agreeable? So I motion that we vote on a reduction of quorum requirement for the annual town meeting under Chapter 22 of the Acts of 2022 uh, to a quorum of 150. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Thank the, you, Scott. The town clerk will now notify the attorney general that we have lowered the quorum uh, to 150 for the annual. Mm. Is that a permanent or just No, just this meeting. And you're, uh, right now you're only allowed to do it through 2025. It's still under COVID? Yeah. yeah. So we'll keep doing this every year? This doesn't last? You can have the discussion. Uh, if you wanted to do it for the next town meeting, you have to have another vote. It has to be published like we did seven days before. So, so under you can only do one at a time. Oh, sorry. This is only for this year. It's it only for this ah, meeting. I didn't no, otherwise, that okay. that's a bylaw change. Gotcha. OK, yeah. so uh, let's see. Uh, review annual town meeting warrant articles, potential Thank votes. Thank you, Scott. Um, Thanks, Scott. So why don't I, I'll start going through the, the warrant articles one by one, and, um, and you guys can tell me if you have any issues yeah. with them, and then we'll stop if you tell me we have an issue. Otherwise, we'll yes, just and if there's no issue, I'm going to mark it as, as passed, and it will show up in the town meeting warrant that you are approved and move it forward. Okay. One is the annual town reports. Two is the elected officer compensation. Three is the personnel administrative plan. pages of it and more pages of it <laughs> five is the uh, revocation of civil service six is the open Do you get four being collective four? bargaining no, no, no. that's four. a big one. Oh, i missed four sorry thank you uh four is collective bargaining agreement with the police that's the funding of that agreement right five it's the funding of the first year yep. yep okay five is revocation of civil service six is creation of opioid stabilization fund seven transfer into opioid stabilization fund eight is transfer out of opioid stabilization fund nine authorization for new vaccine revolving fund 10 annual revolving fund expenditure limit authorizations 11 is cemetery perpetual care trust funds 12 is vine lake cemetery expansion study 13 is local peg peg access appropriation 14 is affordable housing trust request for funding 15 Transfers to the Municipal Building Stabilization Fund, 16 capital projects, municipal buildings, um, 17 appropriation to the Capital Stabilization Fund, 18 capital budget, uh, 19 is uh, construction of garage at Center at Medfield, I thought it was called the Center, uh, number 20 is elementary school feasibility study funding, 21 prior year bills, 22 is uh, FY 2024 operating budget. Article 23 is FY 2024 water and sewer enterprise funds. I would hold that one because okay. uh, you haven't seen that. That's not included in here. So I will hold Thank the you. water and sewer Thank and I will you. bring that to you uh, at the next and, meeting. And on this, we're, we're sort of making our own votes, but do we know what the warrant committee is? The warrant committee hasn't gone through all of them. Uh, last night we voted on. Um, the noise bylaw, nine to three, and the operating budget was unanimous. Um, uh, so far, has the warrant committee come out against any of the articles? Not yet. Okay. No. 
Um, 24 is appropriate surplus bond proceeds water treatment plant. So this, um, just to give you a heads up, Article 24 is most likely going to be withdrawn, and that's why you're not signing the warrant this evening. Water and Sewer is going to meet. Uh, Bill Harvey alluded to their 45-minute meeting. They're going to have a discussion on this. Um, based on the advice from, from Bond Council, we're going to withdraw this article for this year and bring it up for next year. So there will be a slight renumbering of the articles at the end. Okay. Article 25 is currently rescind bond authorization for water treatment plan. By the way, Chris, I really like these general headings. You've got, we're into the general articles now. <laughs> Thank you. Article 26, school committee, PPA, and lease authorization for solar photovoltaic. Article 27, change of hours for noise bylaw. Uh, Article 28, just, water. Just to, just to be sure we know, so this is one where the Warren Committee split but they, they did vote to recommend approval. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry, 6-3. Did I say 9-3? They're 6-3. Oh, yeah, they were 6-3. Yeah, six, sorry, 6-3. Okay. Did we change the language on that? I. Yeah, Brittany gave me the language today, and it'll be in the, in the final version to... So to the Warren Committee, so some people like the 7-7, seven to seven, is what I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. I should send them my nose, the There's stone cutting. There's also some question on the clarity of what had been drafted, so. uh, No, that was uh, clarity on our part. Oh. They, were, they were very clear in their vote. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Article 28, water conservation, private well restrictions. 20. This is one I think we maybe should hold on only because I've heard significant arguments against doing it from a legal standpoint. I, I just would, if it, how does the Warrant Committee come out on this? You know? They are discussing that at their meeting next week, and they're also wondering um, what you have voted on it. So. <laughs> um. so, so just, just so you know, the conversations that I've had, there's, there's a couple of different, there's a number of different arguments on this. I, um, one part of me, just for simplicity's sake, says, sure, let's do it. The arguments against it that I've heard are, first off, it's a private, if people put in private wells, then for the town to put restrictions on their use of those private wells, potentially could be a taking. I've heard that argument. Now, Mark, you might want to comment on this, that the issue, the real action here is not to just do this, but the real action is to adopt a regulation that is already available for local acceptance. The regulation of private, uh, the application of state drought restrictions to private wells, if I understood what you told me a week ago. The state, first of all, it goes way the heck back. The Attorney General gave an opinion years and years ago that <clears throat> the state had the authority to do it, basically because it's a general public health, safety, and welfare, and water more or less is all the same common source. Uh, <clears throat> there wasn't the political will and hasn't been the will at the state. The best you have is DEP's model local reg now makes provision for it, and there have been communities, including Rentham, I don't, there were several others, I believe, locally that have adopted it. Uh, I've had the discussion, just to pick up from what you're saying about people who have spent the money to put a well in and all, and there is, a, there is an intermediate ground, which is to make it effective for wells constructed on and after some future date, and essentially grandfather anybody that's already put a well. I don't know how many wells are in town, I don't know exactly where they're located, but the legal authority is there. So another argument that's been made is there aren't that many private wells in town, so as the practical impact 
of doing this is very limited because there aren't that many in the, in the first place. And the third argument that I've heard is that the, the entire town is not an aquifer. So the fact, the, I think the, I think the, I'll call it emotional, but I don't mean that in a derogatory way. The emotional argument is we're all tapping into the same aquifer. So private wells, if, if there's restrictions on that aquifer for public water supplies, there should be restrictions on that aquifer for private water supplies because we're all drawn from the same well. Technically, that is not true because they're not all of the town is in one of the designated aquifers and then there's a primary aquifer and a secondary aquifer so emotionally it sounds reasonable which is sort of why I was leaning towards supporting kind of the simple answer to just do it and see what happens but that is a counter argument that as a practical matter that's not really true that all private wells draw from the same aquifers that the state is regulating uh, so that's an argument against it I, I'm not opposed to the article but I've come away from in my conversations with a much deeper appreciation of the counter arguments to it and it's kind of like well that I'm just saying I think that's one we might not want to commit to right now because probably if we did I would vote against it even though but it, I'm, I would vote against it because I'm not prepared to vote for it uh, if we have a little more time to let this circulate I can easily see myself voting for it it's just uh, it was a more complicated issue than I ever thought it would be. Water and sewer taking a position on this, or are they going to? No, because for us. no. <laughs> Water and sewer does not oversee private wells, um, so they have not yet taken a position on this. But are they are they going to? I can't speak for them. I don't know. Can I can talk to them on Friday. Yeah, yeah ask, them, ask them if they would be interested to know um, their opinions. There, there's no uh, there's no pressure to make a decision tonight. Okay. Um, what I will do is I will include in the warrant report that the Board of Selectmen will be heard. If you make a decision before we get to the night of town meeting, we'll update the town meeting website. Right. Okay. So, yep. That's fine. Okay. So, but just because we can't talk about this other than sitting right here, right. someone's... So, I mean, I, I support it because water is becoming more and more precious, right? Any way you slice it, it there hasn't been a summer in in the last five years at least that we it's like don't worry about it and mm -hmm. and i was talking to mo last night at the uh the trinity meeting that you know if if it is that there is a town-wide tier four and it's town-wide you you don't have the neighbor with the green grass with the little sign everyone is on the same restrictions makes it a heck of a lot easier when it comes to mo and team that it's it is what it is mm -hmm. and it, either we're all going to have brown grass or let the heavens open up and, and, and have plenty of water so we can be using our irrigation. I have an irrigation system, so it's not like I don't want to water my lawn, but I look at like just how bad it got, and I feel like this is one way to get ahead of it. And it's and I appreciate the people spent eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollars to install a well. When we are allowed to use water, that I after X number of gallons, I'm spraying liquid gold on my front lawn, and they're not right. They've spent the money. They've they've tapped into it. So I I just I I support it because I think in across the, the board, I think it's the it's the right thing to do in the in the in the <coughs> the dynamic world right now. But I, I appreciate yeah, what you're I, saying. I, I'm raising. I'm not again. I'm not. I don't want to get forced to make a decision sure. tonight based on what I've seen. My start. I started off inclined to support it. Then I heard a number of arguments against it, and it's like I just think we need to mm -hmm. mull that all over. So uh, I'm don't fundamentally disagree with your arguments, though. Uh, it's 
So I'm in favor of this one as well. So I don't know, Chris, if you want to put on, because the, the select board does support it then, if you want to list it that way. Uh, I don't know whether you put in a two to one or whether you put in, uh, whether you include that kind of detail or not. But if Eileen and I are supporting it, then the select yeah, board does I support do. it. So um, two to one. <laughs> Yeah, um, so what I do is I just put in, um, well, now I have to put in select board. Select board re recommends passage. Yeah, that's um, fine. So, and then um, obviously when we get to the article on town meeting floor, you're each going to speak uh, on behalf of it, so. I would just comment, um, I had to replace half of my lawn twice and it was so much friggin' work that I put in an irrigation system to try to avoid having to do that again. The town told me last summer I couldn't turn on my irrigation system, <laughs> so my lawn died again. Right. <laughs> now I've replaced it three times. This right. time I planted clover. You so put in a private well, Pete. Oh, no. <laughs> <it's> too, <well. laughs> too soon. <laughs> Number 29, annual school building committee, amend school uh, building committee bylaw. Um, any issue with that one? Yeah, Pardon? I've heard one request that we defer it and I am neutral on that um, I think the argument for deferring it was a concern that this thing would blossom into a bunch of amendments at the town meeting that would make things murkier than the town meeting needs to be uh, the, the dilemma the risk of deferring it is as I at least read the bylaw right now, there is no clear provision. Should the MSBA or the, even the committee, for whatever reason, decide that additional members need to be appointed to the committee, I don't believe the bylaw is clear about who has the authority to appoint those additional members. Okay. Now, there's a slight nuance to that, which is are we only talking about non-voting members, which would probably be a lot easier to make an amendment and have everybody buy into it, or are we talking about both voting and non-voting members? And the issue comes in whether the, um, this is a question I'm not clear on. I thought the MSBA, when they said you had to put like a selectman on the, on the board, last year, the last time around it was a voting selectman. Uh, so if that's required to be a voting member, or if anyone else the MSBA puts on is required to be a voting member, then we would need to address the authority to appoint both voting and non-voting members. The argument to not do it right here, again, is because there's some cross-currents around other issues that are related to the building committee, and I think the advice I was getting was just avoid that swap right now. The risk would be that we have just signed a statement of interest. The schools are gonna submit another application to be readmitted to the MSBA program. I think it's probably, if you're a handicapper, it's reasonable to expect that that's not gonna happen before the end of the year. Right. But if it should happen before the end of the year and we don't do this, then we're, we're sort of cooked a little bit and that we have no actual legal means to comply with the MSBA requirement until we get to our next town meeting. So, so uh, right now we don't have the exact words for this article, I don't think, for what it needs to be. Is that, uh, uh, this was just uh, the discussion of appointing additional non-voting members, but we could change that if you wanted to do that. Or we could, well. Um, if that's your concern and you want to cover, I'd put both voting or non-voting. Yeah. 
be safe. So this clear. So this. It's interesting for me when I look at this. This clarifies it's the select board. I thought Carol and Casey at the kickoff of the new school building committee. I raised this, and she said, "No, it's a select board." So I know at least one member of the bylaw revision committee thought that. that. Yeah. However. The citizens' petition that was the year before that gave rise to that bylaw revision committee specifically called out the town moderator as right. being the appointing authority. So I am fine. The, the one issue that we haven't heard a good answer to is whether it's true that the only circumstance we would ever be confronted with in this town on, an, on a non-discretionary decision to appoint someone to the board will only be to have to appoint a non-voting member to the school and that would be is it true that the msba only requires non-voting members or does the msba specify members who are voting i know we I we complied the membership shall include i don't think they address voting on so you think it's it would be safe for us to assume we could comply they have a regulation it's part of their official regulations it's available online uh, so because there's a concern in this town that we're we may not move fast enough for this yep. i have no problem supporting this at town meeting as a non-voting member what voting and non-voting so that we are there's no gray area as to who should appoint if that should get raised mm -hmm. and and we kind of are the neutral party here um we're not on it no. and so i mean i i support yeah. it i have no problem you could, with other, you could also say instead of the as they deem necessary or desirable you could put if required by the msba no because there could be other could there could there be other circumstances yeah. maybe the building committee wants to add a communications person i wouldn't i i think that's fine okay. the way it is uh, I would do voting and non-voting. I'm willing to do that too. I bet you that'll liven up the audience a bit. I don't think you needed to reduce the quorum. <laughs> so voting and non-voting. Um, I'm happy to support that. Okay. Are all three of you in? Yeah, me too. All three in support. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. Article 30: Citizen Petition, School Committee, Public Hearing. So I don't think you've had a chance uh, to watch. Um, I would hold a vote on this until the next one. Chris uh, Potts, who is the, um, led the petition on this, presented to the Warren Committee last night. I can send you the video so you can watch her oh, presentation to you. the Warren Committee, yep. which might be helpful. Yep. Um, and then I'm sure if Chris, if you wanted Chris to speak further with you about it, um, okay. she would. But she did speak for a long time at the Warren Committee okay. last night. Article 31, Citizen Petition Yeah, so we'll hold on that one. Transparency. I think that that one has some issues, Chris. So uh, we've been meeting with with Mark Green, um, and he met with Mark and Brittany, and he has worked out uh, a motion that he will he would like to keep the article in there, um, but the motion will be to print uh, the salaries within the annual report, not the warrant report. Um, and we were fine with that. That is how all of the other towns handle it. Um, we have offered to put it uh, online within our budgetary documents as well. Um, so I think that makes the most sense. So your advice would be, despite the fact that we're already doing it, that we would allow this. No, we weren't doing it until this year. But we're doing it. We're, we're yes. I have I have personally committed to Mark that I'm doing it. I don't think we need uh, a warrant article to do it. Nope. Um, but he would like it but to you remain don't object. in. So what you're saying no. is, if that's reworded to be 
If the, the motion the is the annual report. report. pushing to put it in the warrant. Right. Yeah, and, I don't support that. the warrant that. report, and I basically gave opine that it was inappropriate. Yeah. Right. And I suggested the annual report. Uh, Chris was there at the time and said, I'm prepared to do it right now without this. Right. Brittany and I went back and forth with him a couple of times right. before we finally. So yeah. my so my only question is, Chris, Dean is already doing this. So this is at one level a redundant article, but I think I hear you saying that's fine. Let it go through. Recommend approval. We'll just adopt that as a practice. Yeah. yeah. But see, I think okay. that's perfect. Yeah. That it's in writing. It'll happen because. Yep. Yeah. So, so I think that's where we'll have it. We'll have it posted because I'm, I'm assuming we're going to have the 22 annual report, but it may not be back from the printer yet. Um, if it's not in the printer, we will have everything we have available to be posted online, and this will be included because as part of that. Because the Warren article itself is overly broad, mm -hmm. the the motion, the selectman approval should be on the motion. On the for the annual report. Yeah, the mo yeah, yeah. so you're supporting it for the annual report, right. not the warrant. Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Good. Okay. Yep. Good. Yeah, good I have that. no I have no problem with that. And then article 32, citizens petition creation of the groundwater protection committee based on our discussions tonight, I think. That's a no. We're probably not in favor. Okay, so uh yep. so you're not recommending passage. No. Okay. Correct. So that went a lot faster than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Okay. So go good. Ahead. Um and we'll renumber these cuz we're going to have yep. um a change in the number of articles and then I'm happy to report on article 33 which is our free cash article this will be the second year in a row that we are not using any free cash to balance the budget Good. so congratulations so we can say out loud there's no there is absolutely no half. proposition two and a half override <laughs> in this budget um, the overall budget increase from last year to this year is one and a half percent the individual um, just turn my sheet out the school operating budget has an increase of 4.13. The municipal operating budget has an increase of 4.9%. Town and school employee benefits has gone up 2.72%. The general stabilization fund has decreased. We are putting $500,000 versus $700,000 in it. Um, our debt service has gone down by 23% this year. So an overall um, budget for fiscal year, 21, uh, fiscal year 24 is 1.5% greater than last year's budget. There is no operating override within this budget. Um, a couple of other things I'd like to, to point out as well to you on this um, and then have you vote to support it is included in your packet tonight is the financial policy measure of compliance, which is required um, by the Board of Selectmen um, as we get to town meeting. And this will be included in the warrant report as well. It's in the budget I gave you tonight. Oh, ah, okay. Yep. Um, and one of the things I think we're, we're incredibly uh, proud we discussed with the Warren Committee last night is that, as you know, when we passed the financial policies in fiscal year 2018, we were using uh, close to $1.8 million in our free cash. I think we were at about 80% usage of our free cash just to balance the operating budget. Um, that didn't include the other funding sources we were using free cash for. So. Um, this uh, financial policy measure of compliance we expanded this year. That the past few years we have been able to show that we met the bare minimum, which was the seven and a half percent. Our goal is nine to ten, and I'm pleased to report that we are just over the ten percent uh, this year at ten point zero four. So I know that's taken a lot of hard work from the department heads, the board of selectmen, the warrant committee to ensure that we are building up our reserves, and it's it's a great feeling to see that moving forward. So we have met the financial policy with 
and we are anticipating that this budget will leave us with 2.56% of free cash on hand after everything has been appropriated. Um, the next sheet in your packet um, is also our anticipated free cash usage for this year, and this breaks down um, exactly where that free cash will be spent. Um, I know we've reviewed it before, but we'll be putting $850,000 appropriating into capital stabilization, uh, $525,000 for our OPEB funding, $500,000, as I mentioned, to the general stabilization, $15,000 for the Affordable Housing Trust RFP warrant article, $250,000 for the School Building Committee feasibility study, the opioid, uh, opioid Settlement Stabilization Fund is 92139 We had received, I just want to point out, we had received that money last year. We are required, uh, it closed to free cash. We cannot spend it unless um, it follows the rules of those opioid settlements. That's why we have the three articles. So that 92139 will be transferred into the new stabilization fund. And then we are using $5,000 to get the vaccine revolving fund uh, set up for the health department. Okay. That's it. And the last page is just we I know the last time we presented the budget to you, we had about a half a million dollar. Um, I think we were just over 400,000 uh, that we needed to cut from the budget. So that's just a list of the budget revisions that were taken uh, by the school town and our fixed costs. And that's it for Thank the budget you. article. Thank you. Congratulations on the successful budget season. It was, it was long, but incredibly thorough. So uh, it's great having Frank aboard doing some work. Frank and Thank Brittany you, Frank. have been a great team in, in getting all of this done and answering all my crazy last minute um, <laughs> changes. So it's been good. So do we have a uh, motion to uh, approve the uh, budget? All right, so motion to review FY24 budget. To accept or approve? Oops. Review to or approve? approve? Uh, to approve. Aye. Motion Aye. to approve. Motion oh, I said that. I no, you, yeah, said, you said, said motion to review. We just. Oh, sorry. I thought I said. <laughs> sorry, it's getting late here. All right. Motion to, 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 to approve <laughs> FY24 budget. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 <laughs> Punchy here. <laughs> okay. Uh, consent agenda. Uh, let's see. Vote to sign certificates recognizing the following individuals in Boy Scout Troop 89 for earning the rank of Eagle Scout: Fred Everett Librand, Michael Cole, in a Ianoni, Alexander yeah. James Munns, James A. Kemp. Secondly, request to hold the annual New Life Furniture Bank 5K trail run on May 13 on the grounds of the Medfield State Hospital from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Next, Medfield Garden Club requests to place signs at the usual locations advertising their annual plant sale on November 20 from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the First Parish Unitarian Universalist Church front lawn featuring perennials from Medfield Garden Club members' gardens for the two weeks leading up to the sale. Uh, next, Bell Forge Arts Center requests uh, a letter of support from the Select Board for their application to the Mass Development Underutilized Properties Program for remediation of the infirmary. Next, uh, Medfield Environmental Action requests to place signs advertising Climate Week from April 22 to May 6 for the following locations. Transfer station intersection of uh, Main and North, intersection of South and 27. And finally, Bell Forge Arts Center to request permission uh, to place three sandwich boards in the following 
locations from April 15 to April 29, promoting the Ferry House Walk on April 29. And it's the same as the uh, environmental action. I had one quick question on item 15. So this is a letter of support. Usually that doesn't show up on a consent calendar. Usually we vote to sign the letter. Uh, you are correct. I put it in the wrong category. I apologize for that. So that one, maybe we want to have a specific. We can vote have a on. discussion on. It. Yep. So why don't we uh, vote on that one first? Do we have a, a motion on that one, number fifteen, Eileen? All right. And um, the infirmary is that? Is that the? That's the second building. The small building, building to the, the right. Is the, yeah. Okay. It's the one they're connecting to. Yep. Okay. So uh, motion to vote on the Bellforge Arts Center to request a letter of support from the Select Board for their application to the Mass Development Underutilized Properties Program for remediation in the infirmary. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Um, and then uh, on the consent agenda, can we get a motion for all of the consent <coughs> agenda? Can I read those all again? No, or just, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hope you're going to say that. I'll whack you if you do. Agenda <laughs> as printed. Just check it. Yeah. And say it was, I didn't know if we wanted to say it until 11. Um, uh, I motion. I still motion. <laughs> oh, we have sandwiches. <laughs> Ready for a second? Yeah, second. second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye, aye. Okay, uh, meeting minutes. I haven't reviewed any of them. I haven't so either. So I got um, them done town last administrator week. updates. Jeez. Oh, gee, rub uh, it in. Rub let's it in. Let's see. Uh, just a couple things for you tonight. Um, just wanted to say thank you to all of our poll workers uh, at the election last week. Um, they are incredibly hardworking. They show up at 5.30 in the morning, and they're there past 8.30 at night. Um, I also want to thank Melissa Bingham, our new veteran services officer, who came to the election with me when I hold office hours, and she was actually working, um, handing out I voted stickers at the polls. So it was a great chance for her to meet people. Um, so thank you for the people who were stopping by. Um, I mentioned it uh, briefly when Scott was here, but please tune into our social media campaign um, for our annual town meeting fun fact of the day. Um, I have heard a rumor there will be trivia and prizes starting tomorrow. So. Uh, if we ever get out of here, you can participate. <laughs> um, a reminder, town meeting is May 1st. Um, we are actually going to be outside, I believe, in front of the town hall uh, during the history weekend uh, to answer any questions people may have about town meeting and maybe have a few more fun facts about town meeting. Um, and we'll be available uh, 10 to 2 that day in front of the town hall. Uh, and then if anybody is looking for additional information on the town meeting warrant, um, there is a full website with background materials, context of the articles, and all of the budget documents can be found between the town finance and the town meeting website. So if anybody's looking for something they can't find, please let us know. We'll point you in the right direction. And again, there is no override in this budget. <laughs> Did the Wi-Fi ever get corrected or are we still all? Uh, we're all still on my hotspot. Okay. I will be sending it a bill later. <laughs> no. no, I've got my. Uh, it is it is fixed, but we are on. Okay, I, I realized that a few minutes ago. Frank and I are on my hotspot. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm on my hotspot. <laughs> um, but it is it is back on now. Oh, my phone's holding up pretty well. Um, Gus, <laughs> my phone seems to be dead, but I'm still working. I don't know what. <laughs> just don't mess you with have it. A, it's uh, working sign. great. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Me. The phone, the hotspot <laughs> is dead. Uh, oh select board reports. You know, select board reports. Okay, I had to get my calendar out on this one. Um, well, I uh, have had a lot of fun on the town election on March 27th. That was a, that was a good point. Uh, a couple other things that happened that day. I, did you guys s sign up for the Mass Municipal Association legislative briefing? No. Either of you? 
So, okay, so I, I have a document. What, what happened is he might have gotten the notifications of those breakfast meetings. They did two out west and two in the south. They're too far away to drive. But yeah, they then ran on the 27th, they ran a one-hour legislature, hour and 15-minute legislative briefing, which basically was the dump on all the major things that Mass Municipal oh. was uh, is pursuing. And they then sent out like a summary of them. And I just haven't had enough time at my desk to send it out to you guys. And I wasn't sure if you didn't already have it anyway. Oh, no, so I had So there. that would be good. They, Thank you. They have a good list. I mean, the initiatives they have are good initiatives. It's not necessarily the complete list because they pick up issues along the way but by and large you know they're they're targeting a lot of good uh, a lot of good issues uh, pushing in a lot you know a lot of good directions some of the issues aren't that relevant to us because they're trying to make sure that people in small western Massachusetts towns get taken care of so there's some of that but uh, I'll get that list off it's like a two-page document or something uh, later on that day uh, I was at the Medfield Foundation uh, community conversation that you guys were at and that was an interesting uh, evening just to catch up with people I hadn't seen in a while and to just pick up uh, and that's know, good gonna, conversations. That's going to be a regular thing I think going forward so. Okay. Uh, we went to I think we were all at the Warrant Committee hearing, Warrant hearing on Tuesday the, the 28th uh, and then the, the, mass, the State Hospital Development Committee had its quarterly meeting on Wednesday uh, pretty straightforward. We, what's happening right now is the development committee is basically scheduling once a quarter meetings, and they're mostly touch base meetings because the you know the level of activity at the development committee is not that high. Uh, so we basically touch base, talked about a few things that were going on, and set the next meeting for uh, the last half of May. So ordinarily it would be June, but it was like I'm getting into summer. So we thought a little bit after the town meeting and a little bit before the summer was probably the ideal time for our next meeting. So that's that's when we'll be back. And May 24th. May 24th. Thank you. <laughs> and then uh, last night the Memorial Day uh, Parade Committee met. Uh, so we had our annual the the parade will be pretty much like what we did last year with the uh, abbreviated route coming in down Dale Street and winding up at Dale Street School uh, for the most part I think that the parade the whole format will be very similar to last year form up behind the town hall at 945 parade starts Baxter Park at 10 o'clock March to the cemetery, have the ceremony at the at the pond, the ceremony at the Veterans Memorial, and then kind of march back to Dale Street. So it's a little bit faster than what it used to be when we had to get all the way up to West Street. Um, <laughs> and obviously working out details on guest speakers and you know somebody for the benediction and stuff like that. So uh, and nothing. Yeah, nothing new. I think that we are again going to have the color guard from the USS Constitution like we did last year. So that was kind of a pretty top-notch color guard. And I think, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Thank you. Eileen. Already. Uh, so certainly uh, attended the Trinity planning session last night with the planning board, which is uh, well attended, good conversation. Um, like you had mentioned, Gus, the community connection night, I thought was the, what that uh, MFI hosted was outstanding. I, I love uh, the conversation, all the different groups, and finding out the common challenges and goals and all that was really 
That was a lot more complimentary than the way Gus put it, so thank you. No, no, I thought it was great. I thought it was, I, Kirsten had reached out to she me probably in October and, <laughs> and asked me what I thought of it, and I thought it was a great idea, and, and she was going to try to do it before the holidays, but I think the, the, the way she did it and the timing being uh, last week was uh, very good. Uh, I attended the Lions event at Zulu the other night um, for the SIP, what was it, SIP, Savor and Relax. I was well attended, good to see a variety of citizens. Um, like you had mentioned, sat in the Warren Committee meeting last, last week, couldn't make last night's. Um, and then I had a chance on Friday to meet with uh, Kelly and Ashley with Hinkley Helpers. Uh, what's good for those guys is they, they've, they've meet, basically reached their fundraising goals. I think they're about a $15,000 window short. They, did they meet with you this, are they meeting tomorrow with you, Christine? Uh, helpers? We haven't set up a, a time yet. We're trying to get coffee on Friday. Oh, okay. I thought they were meeting with you tomorrow. Sorry. No. Um, but again, just working through the RFP. And, and one of the suggestions I gave them is, you know, kind of put a stake in the ground. When do you want to have the park actually open? And then kind of back into that. So if you say you want it of March 2024, that's going to make it a little bit easier to start looking at where things need to be, knowing that there are some uh, of the, the contractors are eight weeks out, others are six months out. So uh, they can put a stake in the ground for that. It'll make it a lot easier to do the, the timeline and have everyone in step. Uh, because I, they, I think they need to meet with Mo because Mo's group is gonna help with some of the dismantling, et cetera. Um, and then I have the Affordable Housing Trust meeting this Thursday. Um, and I know we're going to hear from uh, Kathy Boyle uh, with some feedback on the survey that she did. And that is that. So I, uh, the Medfield Foundation Legacy Fund uh, had a uh, review of the grant applications recently, and uh, I was also at that Medfield Foundation community conversation, which was just so excellent. Uh, went to the, the, the planning board um, uh, hearing about Trinity last night, have office hours coming up uh, on Friday, if anybody wants to talk about anything, 9 to 10 at the center. And then I'll just share what I did on Sunday here. So that's me finishing the Hunter's Run race. There you go. <laughs> and, and I actually met Hunter, so that was nice. And I, I got to thank him for holding a race that I could actually get out and run at. <laughs> Colleen Sullivan took my photo and shared it with me, so. I didn't know that his brother works at uh, Logan. His brother Logan works at the reception desk uh, going to the pickleball. I had a chance to meet him after the race. Because uh, Hunter's, Hunter's, yeah, Hunter's brother Logan, I, oh, I did not yeah, realize. Yeah, because yeah. I, I have the t-shirt. I was working out and then playing pickleball, but they got my support. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I happened to go into, into Kingsbury on, uh, on uh, Saturday and they were there. And so I ended up signing up. That's awesome. Just looking at that shirt, Pete, does that say live, love donuts? <laughs> no. Donate, I think, oh, it's, donate. I think it's, you know, they, they want your, your bodily organs, Gus. So. Oh. And we've officially gone too long. I would like to make a point that I think the new chair actually runs longer meetings than the old chair. I think that's because the old chair talked too long. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see, actions taken. Uh, the former chair apparently signed some things uh, before he <laughs> let go of the reins. 
uh, and put it on the agenda. So I value warrants, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Big checks. So do we have a motion to adjourn and go home? Motion to adjourn. <laughs> Second. All in favor. Aye. 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 Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Pete.